Who are you? I'm Quack. <laughs> I'm the guy getting over uh, last night. Hey, I'm Quacky. Who are you? And I'm Atu, and this is Radio Zamunda The. Dope. Shit. There it is. All right, man. How you doing? I am okay. How are you doing? I can't complain. It's uh, still stuck inside with the pandemic, and, uh, you know, it's going to get crunk because it's the day after Thanksgiving, and um, I'm going to give it two weeks, and then we'll see if we can still be number one as the United States of America. You know what I mean? Still? <laughs> still, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I guess we might as well be competitive in something. So let's let's go go with uh, people fucking dying. Didn't mean to bring this down. So. Wow, that, that escalated quickly. But I was like, yeah, it's just like, I think we're yeah. the number one. We're number one in uh, in COVID cases daily. Uh, yeah, this is the thing we're really excelling at these days. Yeah, I think we got. I think we hit 13 million. I think just today. Oof. Uh, so you know, everybody stay safe out there, please. For fuck's sake, wear masks. And, um, and stay your ass at home. <laughs> stay stay home. Jesus, just you know. just stay home. <laughs> just stay home. So that's yeah. timely. That's a, that's an yeah, interesting yeah. transition because. Mm-hmm. Today's guest is someone who is really far away. Yep. You know, sometimes we do different things where someone's in like, you know, New York, you're in New York, someone's someplace else, but this person is really far away. And this is a great example of how interesting things can happen when you stay at home. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. Okay. See how, see. Yeah. <laughs> you did that, man. That was, that was pretty brilliant. You, you're the king of the segue, the king of the, you know, <laughs> that was... That was butter. Was like, you're like, Jordan. I don't know where you're going with this, but yeah, yeah that was great. Man. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, do you want it? Do you want to just dig in? Let's go. Let's okay, do it. Let's do it. sir who's wearing the amazing t-shirt from one of the best landscaping companies i've ever heard of in my entire life i don't know if you've heard of them Luca. four seasons total landscaping, four seasons they, so you sir in the four seasons total landscaping t-shirt who are you i'm otto and who are you i am kwaku and this is radio zamunda the dope shit all right Yes. Brought to you by Four Seasons Total Landscaping. <laughs> we like a strict no sponsor policy except for yes. Four Seasons Total Landscaping. We're just plugging them yes, sir. left and right. So, I mean, yes. Though, you know, obviously people are listening to us. You can't see what Otto's wearing, but he actually has one of those coveted t shirts. And yes. I gave him a ton of shit because I was like, why would you not get one for me as well? So, sorry about that. You know what I mean, See, see yes. how he is? You're already getting a sense, Luca. Yes. You, you haven't even met him. All right. And who are we? <laughs> who am I meeting today? <laughs> you're meeting... Um, you're meeting one of my really, really, really good friends um, from the other side of the planet. This is Luca Perry. And he is... Uh, he's, he's coming to us from... I was about to say Melbourne, but it's not Melbourne. Adelaide. Adelaide. Australia. Yes, I did. I hear the. I heard the Australian twang. I feel like I see the Australian sun <laughs> that I'm really already jealous of peeking through his uh, 
his uh his his window there and i'm just like oh man he's out there and i've never been to australia it's my it's on my bucket list i know so many australians in my life so i don't know how i've never been there but it's to me it's like a fairy wonderland it's like you know you got animals that i don't even understand over there right and my experience before we even get into this with australian people and this this is my theory and i'm going to try it out on you and is it luca yeah luca yeah. luca the only australians since i haven't been to australia the only australians i've ever met are the australians who are traveling abroad and to a person the sweetest kindest people on the planet and i always like dudes how come you guys are so you know, awesome. And they're like, you know, Australians were nice and we travel all the world. And I think there's two things. One, it's because the Australians that you meet travel. And when they travel, it's not like, oh, we're going for a week to blah, blah, blah. They're like, I'm going to six months to stay in this country or live here for a while. And so one thing is like, you are used to a diversity of people and cultures and food. They're, they're already used to that. And number two, it's a long flight back from most anywhere you're going. So if you're gonna fuck around in like <laughs> Iceland, you know what I mean? And then yeah. get deported, that's a lot, you know what I mean? So anyway, <laughs> it's a pleasure to meet you, sir. You too, you too. That is, that is so yeah. amazing that you're talking about travel. Actually, no, mm -hmm. I'm gonna stop. All right, before we begin. Yeah. Yes. Before we begin, and Luca, you might've listened to the uh, podcast, you might not have, it's okay either way, but we'd like to play this little game where uh, the way this works, one of us, uh, you know, Arthur and I, we we met, um, we met, uh, we met at his job, and <laughs> because Arthur's an actor, I was an extra, and he Go. and I were, we met up to rehearse for his scene. I don't know if I told you the story. We rehearsed for a scene mm. at Electric Ladyland Studios because he was playing the role of a musician in this mm. series for HBO. And so mm -hmm. it's like all these amazing musicians are gathered in this room. I'm the bass player. I literally only know how to play the song for the show yeah. on bass. Right, right. And all these guys are like, yeah, we should jam. <laughs> we should jam. And I'm like, please don't give us permission to jam. Don't let us turn anything on. Oh, yeah. This will be yeah. absolutely horrible. Like I'm talking like world-class musicians all around, except yeah. for me. And so we're at this, <laughs> you know, I was like state class. Except for you on bass. On bass. On Everything bass. else is, yeah. On bass. And so we're, you know, uh, we're there, we're at the rehearsal and I'm wearing my Ghana jersey because it's the World Cup. And Otto's like, oh, Ghana. He's like, my parents are from Ghana. I'm like, all right, that, you know, it's New York. Everybody's parents are from Ghana. You know, there's a, there's a high <laughs> chance of it. <laughs> right? Awesome. And then, you know, so we're like, all right, cool. Let's hang out. Turns out we live like three blocks away from each other. Mm -hmm. and so we're listening to records and we're hanging out. And then it turns out our families know each other because his yep. dad went to school yeah. with my dad, my uncle, and my uncle will routinely go to his parents' Christmas party in Ghana every year. Huh. Mm -hmm. Just all of this, you know, and so we're like, oh, yep. so we're hanging out more. And then someone's like, you should start a podcast. We start this podcast. I'm doing like the really quick version because I know the the amazing storm of conversations that are headed to the three of us. Uh, no, I'm loving this, it's great. And so <laughs> we, we start the podcast and then we're talking about it and we realize the best way to do it, instead of like doing records, which is what we were doing, like, you know, I was like, hey, have you heard Jeff Buckley? He's like, no. And he's like, have you heard Prince's Sign of the Times? I'm like, I know who Prince is. And so we were turning each other on to music. Yeah. And then we decided, well, let's turn each other on to people. 
Yeah, that's cool. And so whenever we meet really amazing people, it's like, okay, cool. I have a person for us to talk to. And so before we start the conversation, because Otto knows nothing about you except the fact that you're either from Australia or New Jersey based upon your accent. (laughs) (laughs) One of the two, we're narrowing it down. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we like to play this little game in the beginning where the other person, the person who's been brought on the guest, gets to guess what the guest does. Mm-hmm. So I have to warn you, Otto always guesses. So my only conclusion is, is that he's always cheating. And so he's about to cheat right now. Well, it's just an observation, bro. Observation. He is about to know? cheat right now. He, it's also some witchcraft. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Hey. Yes. <laughs> so he's about, he's about to use the witchcraft. And so he gets yep. three guesses. Without yep. to guess what it is that you do. So, Otto, are you ready to cheat? I mean, play. Interesting. I'm I'm ready to play. I'm ready to play. I'm I'm feeling even confident on this See? one too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so uh, the the floor is yours, sir. All right. Three guesses. Yes, sir. So I, I you know what the audience can't mm-hmm. see. I'm seeing this great um, sort of picture of a man sitting at a desk. There's this again the great sort of blades of Australian sun coming up against this like. I feel like there's a painting behind you and that painting looks like, I want to say it's like an Aboriginal painting. It looks something like that. Okay. And I'm seeing a Strat. I'm seeing an acoustic guitar. I think I see a mandolin back there. So if you're not a fucking musician, I don't know what to say. Like, I I don't get it. Are you a musician? This is going to be hard to answer. I know. That's, like, the, that's the point of the game. It's the whole point. Like, you know, yes. Uh, yes. Well, let me, you know, can I qualify this? Yeah, go for it. Um, when you say he's a musician, Otto, do you mean like this is his mm-hmm. primary role in life? Like how he feeds himself and that sort of thing? Well, I wanted to add a couple more oh, so caveats because next to the Aboriginal painting, which is beautiful, I love that abstract stuff, mm-hmm. there are, I think, what look like four degrees or like, you know, (laughs) pictures of degrees behind them. So there's an education there. Mm. Right over the guitars, I see three uh, stringed instruments. So I'm thinking like a professor of music, like a teacher of music. Whoa, okay. Um, Is this guest one or guest two? What is happening? (laughs) Professors professors and teachers are the same thing, bro. Professors and teachers are the same thing. No, first you said a musician, now you're saying a professor. I'm saying, is this guest one? Well, the the first guest obviously didn't hit because you guys were like, I don't know if that's going to be the one. (laughs) And then you trying to come in qualifying some shit. So I'm like, all right, I guess guest one didn't work. Let me come in with my pimp move with... With with professor of what whatever a, a, a you know like a, a act a, a um you know like music school like Berkeley School of Music kind of guy right who teaches a conservatory music. someone who works yeah, there you that's the word I was at a conservatory. conservatory yes okay I'm glad I could help you out with that answer thank you you're welcome thank you Luca <laughs> wow that's what, I mean well I. I suppose, I mean, I'm very flattered. It's warmer, I suppose. It's, warmer. it's, okay. it's not my, it's, it's not my seven to seven job. Which is, Damn. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, that was guest number two. Just pointing that out. Uh, <laughs> huh. <laughs> I'm sincerely stumped. Okay, guitars, mm. no kwaku, education. Mm-hmm. I see what look like degrees mm. and the guitars. Boy, um, I am going to say 
Before you guess, um, before you guess, I'm going to say yeah. this. You realize my goal is for you never to get this right. Oh, I know. Okay, I know. So that's that's the, that's the thing. I'm gonna, you know? But I'm going to give you a hint because I feel bad right now because I see you struggling. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not going to be an obvious answer. That's my hint. It's not going to be on if you. Okay, okay. So I'm going to say economist. Wow. Ooh. That is. That's really interesting. It, is, mm-hmm. Also, also, I think he's cheating. I, I, no, I, I keep being, your name. I, I, I keep the names away from him. Yep. I send separate <laughs> invites so that he yep. can't do any Google research. Yep. You said my hands have been here the whole time. I haven't been. Here's my phone. It's off. Look, look. Oh, I can't turn it on. Mm-hmm. It's off. Mm-hmm. Everything's off, man. I don't know what else is happening. What, it, what, what do you say about economists? Boom. It's actually really. I, I'm. I would describe as an amateur economist now. Because really? I think, you know, I'm just really fascinated in the way that it impacts all of our social systems and structures. Oh, shit. You know, well, so if you're I not an economist, that. let's talk about that. But I'm not. But I I'm, love that shit, man. Do I do the reveal now, Quackle? I mean, it's, it's a hard question it's for someone very, like me, I think, very... because of all of, you know, everything we always jam on around the idea of being a deep generalist. Right, he said is... jam. He's a he's a musician, damn it. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Okay, sorry. But he is, but he is a musician. That's the thing. I, I well, clearly he is. Uh, you know. Sorry, I I, I, I I interrupted. Well, I'm no, you know, I'm no quacko on bass. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's quacko on You're bass. You're probably way better. <laughs> um, why don't you? Yeah, why don't you do? Why don't you do the reveal here, buddy? Well, that was quite. That's quite interesting, actually. Uh, I would just I would describe myself now as a social entrepreneur or a learning strategist. But I, you know, mm. those kind of pieces of paper is just the fact I'm a massive nerd, right? So <laughs> I, more than anything else, I'm I'm a nerd. Um, yep. But I'm, you know, my big concept is learning, and I realize that, uh, as you said in the intro, I I am one of those Australians that has travelled quite extensively and you know just mm-hmm. couldn't get enough of seeing the world when you first leave australia which is a beautiful place right just with a lot of things that can kill you you know animals <laughs> yeah. these wonderful animals you know it's gonna be yeah. slightly careful but uh you know when i first went overseas uh i realized i wanted i was thinking about going into commerce mm-hmm. but i realized i didn't want to sell something i didn't believe in and the more i kind of visited cities countries was exposed to cultures and communities that were different from what I had understood growing up here in Adelaide as you know, mm-hmm. an inner city kind of boy, mm-hmm. a young man. Uh, I came back, I was like, I, I think education is you know, one of the biggest levers we have to change the world for good. The biggest way we can kind of impact someone else's trajectory in life. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I switched out of commerce into education to become a middle school wow. teacher, which I did become. And oh, I wow. spent six years uh, working in schools and mm-hmm. I became a young school principal. And mm-hmm. that first journey took place in Central Australia, which is why okay. I have this beautiful artwork behind me because that oh, from that particular part of the, of the world. Mm-hmm. So, but since then I've kind of stepped outside, gone into the startup world. Uh, I'm definitely, Kwaku and I always talk about this idea of being a deep generalist or an aspiring deep mm-hmm. generalist, something that you mm-hmm. never actually get to. So yeah. absolutely, I love to jam on a few instruments. I've got the keys over here. I've got this oh, key nice. in the corner. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, like, that music is definitely part of who I am. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of an interesting, like the question, like, what do you do? I find it a hard question to answer. Because yeah. for me, like, I want to be like, but who, well, who am I? Right. And what, what do I do? And mm. what do I know based on that right. level of character, right? So 
but you know, what I do most of the time is have amazing conversations with people like yourself, Atu and Kwaku, uh, about education and learning. Mm-hmm. And how do, we, how do we try to make our societies and our social structures, things like education systems, more human by focusing on the social, the emotional and the academic. You know, so that's a long answer to what yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I run a couple of podcasts. I, um, uh, I do a bunch of speaking gigs, like work with schools and with systems, all about how do we yeah. accelerate towards a more human future when we uh-huh. have kind of digital tools increasingly taking over not just our lives, but also our economies as well. See, this is where uh, Kwaku likes to cheat. What do you mean? Because what, what are you talking about, dude? No, no, Kwaku knows my hot buttons. Kwaku knows what I love. Kwaku knows that um, education is the the thing that I I feel like I respect more than anything. And so Kwaku always brings people on like this because he knows it gets me excited because I, and I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, you know, I'm an actor now, but like part of the way I found I was an actor was um, I think if I wasn't an actor, I would have been a teacher. I would have been a school teacher. I would have been a professor um, because for me, the, 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 the ability to teach. And I think what I think about as teaching is like, it's not, there's, there's an, there, you can have an ego behind it where like, I've taught you how to you know, add numbers. I've taught you French lit. But what I think the teachers do, like the really good ones, the ones that I've had in my life that have inspired me is just that. They inspire learning, which is a process. Um, And I think in America, and this is where I start to get on my whole rant about some of the things that I think are going off in our country, is it's not about checking the box on the multiple choice and getting that right. It's not about, we've, we've taught ourselves to learn how to take tests, not to be educated, not to learn, not the, the value of learning, not, not always being, you know, I've been watching um, this, I, I, I've gotten into UFC and, and this is, I'm going to bring it back. I've gotten into a, okay, cool. a lot of UFC lately. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I didn't and, think you were going to uh, go there, but that's cool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And uh, one of my favorite um, uh, to date um, fighters, his name is, is this young guy, Israel Adesanya, and he's incredible. Uh, he's actually, he's actually Nigerian. Sorry, Kwaku, he's Nigerian, the, but I'm, he's still I'm cool. He's Nigerian, still cool. Man. What's going on, dude? <laughs> I know, I know. I know. <laughs> anyway, um, he's he's Nigerian, but his family moved to New Zealand, and that's where he really grew up. And why I'm telling this long story is he's 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 rocketed to the top as this incredible fighter. Um, and the thing he always says is, I'm always a white belt. He doesn't care about belts. He doesn't care about the black belt, the brown belt, the this belt. I'm always a white belt because he's always learning. That's what he enjoys. And for me, I love when I figured out that really learning is the thing. It's not you, it's not about getting to a place. Every time you get to a place, there's more to learn, there's more to discover, there's more to be inspired from. And I think that mm-hmm. that's kind of what we've lost here where going to that thing that you were talking, I think that you were starting to suggest with social media and all that stuff is like this instant gratification. I want to watch this one video and be the best guitar player ever. And I don't want to ever have to learn about it. I just want to get it downloaded into my mind instead of like the absolute beauty and joy of learning and making mistakes and trying to figure out how to work your way out of problems. Anyway, that's my, that's that's great. That's the thing. This is going to be a great conversation because I I, I mean, I think, to be fair, uh, you know, if acting doesn't work out, 
<laughs> I think you're going all right. I think you're going all right, yes. mate. But, yes. but uh, the interesting thing about this, right? And so, I mean, what you've just described really is the premise of one of the one of the organizations I run called The Learning Future, mm. which is a consulting mm. company, right? And it's how I work with schools. It's one of the vehicles to do that. Right. Uh, and, and so that whole idea is that we need to move from schooling through education to learning. And that mm-hmm. the biggest the biggest opportunity at both an individual level for someone to help to transform their own lives and also at a societal level is how do we do lifelong life-wide and life deep learning as opposed to this idea that yeah like is this on the test is the wrong question Mm -hmm. to be asking it's Mm -hmm. what is a good life what is Mm -hmm. a school for how should a society you know empower the most human or the you know the greatest potential in its citizens like those are the Mm. deep questions i think we should we should be paying attention to. The other thing I'd say about acting and teaching is that I think in some ways they are similar because what mm-hmm. we have, what you're trying, what we're trying to do is understand the human experience mm-hmm. in the educational space. It's how do we, how do we spark and inspire that growth? Cause mm-hmm. I'm a strong believer that you can't teach anybody anything. All yeah. you can do is craft an experience in which someone comes to their own realizations. Right. Yes. So, and it's the same with act, acting is stepping into, you know, the skin of, of, of another. Mm-hmm. And I think this, this idea of being able to do that, to have very high levels of empathy um, mm-hmm. is, and perspective taking, you know, um, things yeah. that Quacko and I often talk about as well. You know, yeah. That really is what we need to have absolutely elevated in mm-hmm. not just our focus in schools, clearly, but also mm-hmm. just our focus in society, I think. Yeah. Um, how do we have a kinder, gentler, you know, more human view of each other as we move in and you know, the idea of travel, which is the funny thing to even talk about right now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> right. I, yeah. I basically didn't, I've been a global nomad um, up until March, 2020 mm-hmm. for a couple of years. And so that certainly decelerated that piece, but there is something around the contact hypothesis as they talk about yeah. in psych- psychology, right? Like when you're living in a community that is multicultural, that is diverse, or you're working mm-hmm. with people that are diverse, you know, it humanizes the yeah. the other it humanizes yeah. this sense of you know like oh wow I, you realize you kind of go beyond the diversity to the unity mm-hmm. which is what well, mm-hmm. we all have struggles we are all human first and foremost and I, I mean i think that's seems a bit abstract but that i think is is really interesting to try to unpack and that has economic implications around our economic systems for example and things like equity how we build mm-hmm. that in or do we mm-hmm. just let the market you know, completely divide right. parts of us. You know, same with with education systems. How segregated are they? You know, mm-hmm. how how do we ensure that there is a real diversity and that every young person is getting a personalized experience of that that lights up their passions? You know, but that's kind of that's the stuff that I like to think about a lot of the time. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I'm gonna so back that. you up. I'm gonna back you up because yeah. you said something there that was really good. It was really good. It was it was fantastic. What'd you say? Lifelong? No, it was okay. No, it's it just okay. It was, it was just, you know, you're just getting warmed up. It was fine. First cup of coffee. It was fine, but whatever. What, what time is it there right now? Is it seven? It's seven. Yeah, just, just about to go eight. I am. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. In the morning? Oh, thanks for waking up, yeah. man. It's, this was oh, the hardest wait. one to coordinate between yeah. Otto's in New York, I'm in San Diego, and Luca's yeah, in yeah, Adelaide. Yeah. Oh. You, so you said lifelong, life deep, and life wide learning? That is something I've never heard before. That is I'm really, that's, that's amazing. Even though I feel like we've talked around it. I like how you 
made that really succinct. The other thing too, when I met you, so we normally do this. The reason I know Luca is because I did that. Um, you obviously, I'll tell you, remember Laura. Laura McBain. Laura McBain. Shout out McBain. Exactly. Um, so I great human, amazing human. Um, uh, so I um, I applied and I was able to be part of this micro fellowship at the D school, or as Luca calls it, the D, <laughs> <laughs> which could go certain it ways. Could. And, it could, it could, it could. I never made that. It yep. sounds so much cooler when he says it than when I say. I had to do it. Yep. I said the D, you know, and he. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, you know, everywhere with the D, I, I can't, I can't do that. Um, so that's that's how I know Luca, and we were partnered together on a project. And, and when I first saw Luca, this was like you know you walk into a room, you don't know who's going to be in the room. It's like four people. I was just mm. like, oh god, who's this guy going to be? Oh jeez, <laughs> you know, because Luca's this like really like charismatic, smart, good-looking guy walks in the room. It's like I automatically hate this dude. And so <laughs> we're in the room for like ten minutes. You know, everybody's eating breakfast and saying hello, and I'm like, he's just way too friendly and nice this morning. I'm nervous yeah. to be you out there. You know he's, me. He's fucking Australian. Exactly. That's I'm like, and he's Australian. <laughs> Amazing. You know. Yeah. So originally, my 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 thought was like, oh fuck this dude. And then <laughs> it's like we're in there ten minutes, and they're like, all right, everybody share out. You know, and it's just like we go through this exercise, and I'm like, oh no, I was completely wrong. And I love that. Like he's yeah. so he's not the person yeah. I think he's going to be just looking at him. Yeah. And then it just went yeah. deeper. And so this is a long way of saying how I met you. But then also that year, which was last year, right? It seems so long ago. Mm. But mm, last year, at that point, how many countries had you been to that year? How many countries did you visit last year? Uh, I tallied it at the end of the year. It was 35 and about 18 for the first time. Every Jesus. continent except for Antarctica. But, wow. you know, and, and, you know, I was delving into a bit of lifestyle design. Quackle is, you know, mm like something that came out of the Stanford D school, you know, um, the idea is I felt compelled to try to see the world and get, you know, an edu a proper education to continue mm -hmm. my global education of what is it like to live on our planet? So, and a lot of that was going to really fascinating kind of communities through different conferences mm -hmm. all over the place. Uh, but also some of it was just, you know, camping across Southern Africa, you know, yeah. across yeah. Botswana and Namibia, just beautiful parts of the world. And, going a bit slow um mm -hmm. huge variation but yeah i, I mean i am an enormous adventurer I, I i love it life to me it, is an adventure um it, it's it's pretty it can awesome be long if we live it well yeah and i and i um I, I wanted to touch upon one thing and i think it's a it's a constant theme on our um on our podcast when we talk about like the diversity of experiences and ideas and I'm always um, sort of captivated by that there's nothing in the world that survives without diversity, right? Like if you have a monoculture of a certain plant, at some point it's gonna deplete the soil, it's not gonna be able to grow, it, does its, it, it doesn't serve its own purposes because you need that diversity. You need, nature is a learning environment. Um, I forget what author I was reading um, and it was about uh, the way trees and um, uh, trees and plant life sort of grow, and there are all of these sort of um, treaties and agreements and um, um, 
synergies between different species of animal that they both solve the problem of living longer and spreading their genes or whatever. And it's never one plant has figured out how to grow at the detriment to all the other plants and all the other yeah. insects and all the other mushrooms. And it seems like as humans, we're the only ones who fall into this thing. It's like, well, white people stay over here and the French are over there and we never the twain shall meet because yeah. we don't want to um, sort of poison ourselves and our quote unquote purity when nothing in the universe works like that. It's such a strange Absolutely. sort of way to think. Um, and so before we go to the origin story of Luca, because that's what we do here, right. um, the other thing that I uh, that I love that you pointed out was, or, or the thing that I'm always struck by is, you know, if you if you link up education to commerce and the 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 economy, right? Mm -hmm. It's it seems like the most prudent investment that you can make on the planet is education, right? Yeah. Because Absolutely. you want people to be able to do, you know, you want at least people who know how to work the computers of your big tech firm, right? Like, if you don't have a supply of people who can actually turn on the computers and work it, I don't care how rich you are, at some point, that money is going to run out because you have no experts to come in. And so, and also, the, ed, the, the investment in education like what's wrong with having a lot of highly educated people around? Because then you have a diversity of ideas. You have a diversity of ways to solve your own problems. You know, you have people who know how to do things uh, that are useful to yourself. Even if you're just a selfish person and you just care about yourself, great. You have a whole bunch of people that can come work for your company. You just pay them well and they're great. Do you know what I mean? And so like, why not take a little bit of your, your, uh, tax money and spend it on education. But it seems like it's the last thing, especially in our country that we do, it's the last thing we want to spend money on. And it's the silliest thing in the world. And so it leaves us in places like New York, where people are fighting tooth and nail to get their freaking toddler into some one school, when why can't there be like 40 schools of the same educational level, so we don't have to fight to get into it. It doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, that again is my so box and I'll stand on it for the rest of my life. There's so much well, there. There's so much. Oh my gosh, so much there. <laughs> like, why would we not want a lot of educated people who can make decisions? Who does that benefit to limit those numbers? And, yeah. And that thought but who? Who? Who wins? Well, well, who, who wins? I mean, do we want to go there? I think we should. I want I want people to learn about you. Can we? Oh man! I'm so like, or, or Otto, yeah. are we breaking with format? Or are we just going there? And then no, we, no, we can. Go. We, I mean, we can go there and then come back while okay, it's fresh, let's, and okay, then go let's back. Do that. Let's or, do that. Yeah. Whatever. Right, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So please. Yeah. What, what do you think, Luca? Well, I just I mean, we just have to listen to the great industrialists of mm. the 20th and the 19th centuries, in particular. You know, people like Woodrow Wilson that would say we want one class of persons to have a liberal education, and we want by necessity another class of persons to have, uh, a, 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 to just make themselves fit to perform specific manual tasks. And so, you know, mm -hmm. when we think about that, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and this is why I think we, we have to distinguish between schooling, education, and learning as three different concepts. Oh. Uh, and we conflate them all the time, right? So we say, oh, you know, learning, no, no, learning is a human act. We all learn mm -hmm. regardless. Mm -hmm. And, but schooling, was created within a particular paradigm in a particular point in time to really restructure and reculture an entire society for an economic outcome. 
And so, and, and that's the legacy that stays with us. And that has a lot of implications as well for things like social justice, for agency, for communities to self-determine. You know, if you're being taught, you know, specific difficult manual tasks and that's your entire purpose. I mean, that, what does that say about the value of a human being? And so really we need to be so expansive in the way that we think about that. I mean, the, the people often talk about systems being broken. You know, we need to mm -hmm. overthrow the system because it's broken. Mm -hmm. This might be provocative, but I think the systems aren't broken. They work as they were designed to function. So what's interesting mm. now is that they don't serve us anymore because thankfully, like we have our collective consciousness has evolved beyond things like social determinism, which you know it was about segregating humankind into different yeah. as then we turn out it's completely false. You know, it's a scientific myth and an abomination, but that drove particular types of, you know, economic progress for a period of time and, and kind of culturization. And, you know, there in the United States, you, as you, you would both be well positioned to comment on, have this, this tradition of slavery that we mm -hmm. also have here in Australia, although not to the same extent, you know, there is this, mm -hmm. not just a reconciliation, but also kind of, we need to face those, those truths so that we can move together forward together but so I, I think the answer to your question is you know why are we where we are because we've internalized an industrial model and we need to move beyond that we are not functional units in a machine we are human beings and so the last thing i'll say after is i think more and more about the ecology of systems and i mean that both around the diversity but also around all the different features or conditions. Like rather than talking about what's the big lever we pull for human capital investing, which is what governments do, you know, to invest mm -hmm. in it, it's human capital, right? What's the lever we pull? Like what are the mechanisms? What are the cogs? All of that is industrial language. And I think it reveals our mindset. What we need to move to is what are the conditions that enable success? What are the barriers that we can remove and create enablers? What are the nutrients? that help young people flourish and thrive. Oh, that's, shit, I got you. That's the you. shift that I think is, um, I mean, that's the shift I think is required. Which, and thankfully yeah. there are lots of people working on it, but it's gonna take continued collective effort, I think. And Atto, you oh. touched on all of this when you were talking about mm -hmm. the farming thing, because literally mm -hmm. what you were describing was the process for uh, regenerative farming, how they, yeah. and then there's this one, there's this literally, there's this process called the three sisters. And this is one example mm -hmm. of it, so it's like, corn beans and squash the corns mm -hmm. grow up so mm -hmm. that you know they gain height the beans yeah. grow around the corn mm -hmm. so that they gain the they gain the height as well and they get the sunlight um mm -hmm. the beans let out nitrogen which benefits mm -hmm. both the corn in the air and then also in the ground with the squash mm -hmm. and then the squash is low to the ground sits on top of the soil and helps to keep the moisture in it and yeah. so the process of throwing, and I'm like doing a really crappy job of explaining this, but the process of growing those three things together allows farmers to reuse land more mm -hmm. than if they were just mm -hmm. growing one thing. The like grow, soybeans or whatever. Exactly, yeah. because at a certain point, that's where the whole like rotating field or rotating crops thing comes from. Like, oh, the soil is dead. We need to give it a couple of years to gain more nutrients so it can do that mm -hmm. because it's doing this piece in isolation, which is what you were describing, but also what Luca was describing, the idea of that myth of socially, well, we need to keep these people in isolation because then they'll really yeah. grow. But actually what ends up happening is the soil goes bad there might be certain uh, uh, political uh, uh, pundits who might be the result of that, that we uh, mm -hmm. we are already seeing in our country right now, sure. as opposed mm -hmm. to people who are growing up in a diverse farming 
methodology yeah. that allows people to be empowered by the strengths of yeah. the other people around them and allow their, you know, their weaknesses to be uh, reduced based upon the strengths of the people who are in that same ecosystem. Oh, so yeah, what just blew my mind, and, and it's, a, it's a constant theme that I'm, um, I find myself revisiting um, over my life, because I, I, I'm, I'm 48, so I feel like you hit your 40s and you now have, an, have enough experience to have some perspective to look back. And then I feel like if you're open enough, you start to go, you start to ask yourself, well, why do I think of this this way? Why do I, why do I pose why do I look at the world this way? Like it's, you know, the yeah. whole thing is a construct. And so yeah. I've been indoctrinated into this certain construct and it takes a lot to sort of undo all of that stuff um, because you don't have to think a certain way. And what blew my mind is what you said about the thinking in terms of, of industrial, using industrial language around education, which I do. Do you know what I mean? And it's because that's been so fed into still. me. Do you know what I mean? We all do. <laughs> yep. But like just that, like, again, this is what I love about teachers, right? It's not like you put the thought in my mind. You, 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 you said something in a certain way that inspired a new way of me thinking, right? It's, it's now I'm looking back through my life and going, oh, that's why these things make sense. And that's, this is a different way. This is a diverse way. This is a different way to look at the problem. So like, I love what you said, like it's not about pulling a level. The system works perfectly. The system works as it's supposed to be designed. We need cogs to go and push the pull the levers at the factory. We need cogs to go and dig up the coal for us. And so to put it in our coal plants and that's what it is, right? And, and that works maybe in the beginning of an industrial system or whatever or a feudal system but now that we're at this point where we've reached a level of consciousness we we, yeah. where we understand more of the world we go that's not how it should do that's not how it should be anymore really it shouldn't and it, especially if we profess to be a, a a country that is about freedom and and the pursuit of happiness and all that stuff well we're not doing that well and and i think you have an even better society, obviously this is where we're going to, is if you have people with the agency to think that they can pursue and they have they have a fertile landscape where they can pursue and make the mistakes that they want and everybody around them says, hey, no, no problem, man, I got you because we're doing this. Oh, no problem, I got you because we're doing this. And the learning comes from the mistakes and the retries and all that stuff and that's a more sort of beautiful and equitable society because that's where you landed on before. So I just, Woo! All right. All right. I'm, I'm ready. I got I to throw one, one more thing out there. Uh, Luca, yeah. I know you. Let me, yeah, I'm not every time I'm like, let's go to that pit. I know. I know. Well, Man. okay. I'm just going to say this. Um, you're, the, the, the point that you're raising about the system works the way it does, and it's used usually at the beginning of an industrial piece. There's a level, I feel now, of, of uh, corporate input into educational models yes. to keep this thing in here, but just change the topic area. So it's almost modular. So instead of like, mm. I'm gonna put you on the assembly line, I'm gonna make you the person who can support IT in this way. Mm -hmm. And you don't think about how the pieces come together. You just understand, yep. you just have this skill and you know how yep. to apply it to tasks but you mm -hmm. don't understand how to ask questions. You don't even know that mm -hmm. you should or that you can ask questions. Yeah. Or even remix any of these processes. You know how to do this thing. And if we attach yeah. enough pride to it and maybe just enough money, you're not gonna ask yeah. any questions because you can do that yeah. thing.
Yeah. And uh, to add about, you know, so in the beginning of our conversation and when we were playing our guessing game and Luca was like, uh, or Luca, sorry, um, was like, uh, you, I can't, you can't really define what I do. Right. Because he's gone out and made his own yes. world. Right. And it doesn't fit in a little box. Right. We are also still of the uh, the generation where it's like, well, I'm an engineer. I'm a doctor. I'm a teacher. That's all I do. And you and, and what you're suggesting, Kwaku, is like you never look outside of the box. You never want to innovate within the box because there's a multiple choice question and it's either box three or that's it, right. do you know what I mean? And there's no way to sort of think yourself out of that. And also, so the you're not promoting, again, a diversity of ideas, a, a rich, fertile soil of ideas that can then say, hey, here's a different way to do this, guys. Look at how this works, do you know what I mean? And uh, boy, oh boy, I'm gonna be tired after this conversation. <laughs> we haven't even started. Oh, man. We, man. Well, so Luca, what were you gonna add to that? Because I feel like we just yeah. keep, we keep coming through with all these ideas. Uh, look, I, I, what I what I wanted to pick up on is too. I'm, Arto, you said uh, you said the idea of consciousness, and I think that's mm -hmm. really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm going to quote Harari here. Mm -hmm. Randall Harari, you know, wrote mm -hmm. Sapiens and 21 21st Century. I love that and guy. Love he's that. yeah, really. I think a wonderful communicator and thinker. Mm -hmm. And he talks about you know we're making all these investments in artificial intelligence right now. And in fact, in converging exponential technologies that are transforming the way that we live, work, learn, play, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, both in incredible ways, but also in problematic ways as things like the social dilemma really mm -hmm. outline, mm -hmm. you know, the idea of tools not actually being neutral, but they're having an you know, inherent business model and the Cambridge Analytica firestorm from 2016 mm -hmm. that may have decided the election back then, like we still, you know, all that kind of stuff. But so mm -hmm. when we think about consciousness, more and more I think about the role of education, and I mean deep education, and quite well, this mm -hmm. takes us all the way back to kind of lifelong, life-wide life, deep. It's going into depth. It's asking ourselves better questions, you know, about who do we want to become? You know, like, what is it that makes me who I am? How do I create more joy in the world? You know, these are these are great questions as opposed to, mm -hmm. is this on the test? Mm -hmm. Can you, can you, you're on mute on Zoom you know, during a lesson, whatever. Those, I mean, they're great questions, yeah. but you know, yes. useful questions. So I, I think for every every dollar, I mean, this is what Harari said, every dollar that we invest in artificial intelligence, we should be investing a dollar in raising human consciousness. And I would actually put that to like a one to 10 ratio, you know, sure. because we have the tech to really solve most of the global challenges that mm -hmm. exist in our world right now. You look at the UN Sustainable Development Goals, for example, you know, we the fact that we even have poverty right now is a global choice. We need to yes. call that out, you know, like, mm -hmm. it's not like, well, it exists yes. and it's there, you know, yes. like all of us in, at some level are saying, well, it's okay to have that kind of, problem. and so you can be the techno optimist and say, well, the technology will solve it. And the point is the technology gives us the tools to solve it now. Yes. But what we don't yet have is this, this shift from ecosystem to ecosystem thinking from me mm. to we, right. That mm -hmm. evolved consciousness to say, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's about who we are as individuals, but more importantly, it's about who we are as a diverse collection of humans. Mm -hmm. And then I want to go a level beyond that, which is to say, and who are we all at the deepest core as human beings? You know, that we are all living this beautifully subjective experience of life right now. And so that, yeah. that I think is like, that's the bit for me. That's the really yeah. interesting piece. And I think yeah. right now, when we look at our social systems and structures, all the way that we've designed our economies because they've been designed 
-hmm. we make arbitrary decisions about this, mm -hmm. like having externalities in business models, things like mm -hmm. our impact on the environment or on the communities, they're external yeah. to our business model. I mean, that, that is kind of it's absurd. It's an absurd yeah. proposition because it doesn't see everything as interconnected. And so yeah. that idea around consciousness, I think is something we absolutely need to pick up. And I'm sure all of us have met in our time, you know, just somebody that has this presence about them. And mm -hmm. yes, it's because they're, they're worldly and they're educated, but it's also because they've done an internal exploration. Like they've yeah. kind of inquired into who they want to be as, as mm -hmm. Gandhi would say. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a shocker with quotes. So I'm just going to flag that. Early <laughs> on. Uh, you know, we're all, we're out there trying to change the world when we should be trying to change ourselves. Yeah, I think there's something really powerful with that. Oh, as you're talking, yeah. I'm going to share the screen. I'm going to share the thing that you you told me about because um, oh. it'll uh -oh. it it no, Luke, I won't embarrass it won't embarrass you, but it's this it's the it's the Iki guy. <laughs> the guarantees, it's man. The, the guarantees because I feel like it ties into. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, so I spoke about oh, yeah. this. Um, I spoke about this actually on on Monday night as well. Quite, I did did this speech for a range of Queensland school principals. Um, and it was called Purpose and the, and the Human Future of Learning and Leadership. And, and, and this before is, you, you go into it, let me just s s tell the audience what I'm Thank looking you. at. Yeah, I'm sure. Like at a, I'm looking at a Venn diagram. Uh, in the center of the Venn diagram is a word that I don't know, so, but I'm just going to say ikigai? Yep, that's perhaps. it. Okay, and then I see in the circles around it, and I'm sure you're gonna go there, so I won't go into too much dimension, but I see sure. what you love, passion, mission, what the world needs, what you are good at, profession, what you are paid for, vocation, and all of that surrounds this word. So that's that's what Kwaku and I and uh, Luca are looking at. And take it away, Luca. And we'll include it. We'll include it in the thing. So you, oh, we'll that's so nice. Course. Yes. Well, I mean, I can't take credit for this at all, mm -hmm. uh, but what I would do, I do use this quite often because I think it's an amazing way to understand, mm -hmm. uh, you know, life. Actually, <laughs> yeah. so they work like really everything, you know. And this is a Japanese concept, mm -hmm. and it's ikigai, which means reason for being is the translation mm -hmm. or raison d'être, right in French. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, and what's interesting when we think about the way we've designed our economies and our societies, our governments, um, our schools. You know, often we're just, we're sticking in this kind of, what are you good at or can you be paid for? We're in that profession space. And the problem with that is that it doesn't get us operating from the source of our purpose or what we consider mm -hmm. our purpose. And I think, I mean, the thing that Kwaku and I all often talk about, it's why we love the kind of the design elements of the D-School, is that you can't, I, this idea of like, you just got to find your purpose. Like I don't, I don't subscribe mm -hmm. to that view. I think you have to build your purpose mm. there's a more active element in that like it's it takes experimentation you yeah. know you can't be what you can't see as the saying says right so when you think about young people's aspirations it's why mentoring and role modeling matters so much because mm -hmm. you got to see it and mm -hmm. particularly if it's someone that you can see yourself in them you know mm -hmm. that really matters so but this idea of how do we think about what we're good at so our strengths how do we think about what we love to do our passions mm -hmm. how do we think about what we can be paid for, sure, but really importantly, what about what the world needs, the contribution that we wanna make, the impact we wanna make while we're lucky enough to be on this planet. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's only are we contributing our highest value as human beings when we're mm -hmm. operating from that, that kind of center of this Venn diagram of you know, that place where passion, mission, vocation, and profession all combine. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, my, one of my life goals is to try to design a life design a career, design organizations and projects where I can, I can try to feel as 
as kind of grounded in contribution and purpose as possible. Because yeah. imagine if we designed all schools Boom. when it was about Boom. purpose. You know, mm. imagine if we designed the economy if it was about purpose. Well, immediately it, everything would become social entrepreneurship. Everything would become mm. the benefit corporation. We'd look at triple bottom lines, not single bottom lines. It'd be about social, mm-hmm. environmental, and financial impact and progress. You know, so that's the kind of thinking I, I really think that this is a really great manifestation of. I think that's, um, there's a, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do we have four or five hours? I was, I, honestly, I was literally five just guess. thinking this might be a double okay. episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be. We haven't um, even started. <laughs> I'm gonna mind the fuck out of Luca, man. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna just, like, you know, like that, uh, uh, what is it, um, that Star Trek movie with um, Wrath of Khan where they had that little creature that digs into your ear and gets into your brain. I've been doing that's that for me, months. bro. I've been doing it to him yeah. for months. I know exactly. I'm digging what into saying. his ear, yeah. right into his brain. Um, you, you said something before um, that I found that, um, I've only really come to grips with um, conceptually in the last eight months, um, especially during the pandemic. I think there were some things that the pandemic did to us that um, uh, made us face some things, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I think I've mentioned this a podcast before, but when you were talking about poverty being essentially a societal choice, right? Um, we're we're taught. Um, to think that it's not a choice. We're taught to think that, you know, poor people are poor because they're lazy, poor people are poor because of this, whatever. It's because we've designed the the economy this way, right? We have a guy, one man on our planet who is worth, according to us, $180 billion to $200 billion. Yeah. And, and I thought of that and, and this guy has actually made more money during the pandemic because everybody's got to get their shit delivered now because we can't leave the house. So he's made even more money now I'm add on. in this pandemic. In 2009, right? he was only worth $6 billion. I know I'm saying only. Only worth $6 billion. Right. And so <laughs> what, what, again, you know, sort of having mind-expanding sort of um, um, thoughts about these constructs that we've created and why do I think of money this way, right? Yeah. The way I look at it is if there is $200 billion available to one person in resources, forget about the actual paper, in resources, there's $200 billion that we can we say one guy can have. That means poverty is a construct, not a construct of the poor people, not to say that the poor people are just you know poor. It's we have allowed a system where one person can accrue $200 billion and we say, well, he's worth that much money. And it's like, no, he's not, right? Because if we're actually thinking from, you know, a mass and energy balance of like actual work, nice. actual, actual, you know, effort and labor, I would say that guy's worth $200 million billion dollars if he's the only one delivering all the packages he's designing all the code he's in every single warehouse and there's nobody else he's the one person that's doing that magically like santa claus cool give him 200 billion dollars because that's kind of amazing but what we're saying is that there's 200 billion dollars of resources that that just that lump sum can solve all the problems on the planet right now right right now but we choose to have a system that one person can collect that stuff. And also what you said about technology, 
we're always taught to say, well, in the future, there's going to be these magic, you know, technologies and cures and all that stuff that then everything will be great. Happiness is always down the street. Right. And I, I did a show called Away just now. Um, it, it's about the uh, journey to Mars of um, astronauts. Um, awesome. And uh, and the reason why I'm saying that is because we worked with a lot of NASA scientists and so forth and, and um, you know, as consultants and all of us actors were like, so when do you think we can actually go to Mars? And this, the, the NASA guys were like, tomorrow. Like we have everything to go to Mars tomorrow, just like we have everything to solve world hunger tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Right. If if we whether you believe in, you know, uh, what is it, GMO products or not. We have we have figured out a way to grow a, a let's say a, a tomato to the size of a of a watermelon, right? We can do that. So if we have that much food, whether whether you think it's bad or good, nobody should be hungry. Like nobody should be hungry. Period. And it's only because we've made a system that we can actually throw away forty percent of our food in America. When I heard that number, I was like, wait a minute, we throw away. Well, you might as well say half. Yep. Half the food that we produce, we just throw away. And we have people here starving. So it's not that this stuff is in the future when we've evolved into better creatures or whatever. Well, actually, we do, you know, given the ikigai, right? So now going to the ikigai, um, I, I, can't, I can't say more about this um, because... It is, you know, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. The reason I'm an, an actor and I'm what I whose horns I want to toot are my parents and the mm -hmm. people that I love who have always supported me, right? Yeah. My dad gave me a book and was always encouraging me to find who I wanted to be. He was like, hey man, uh, we know as you know, your African parents, we want you to be a doctor or a lawyer or engineer or whatever. But at the end of the day, you got to do it. My parents would always be like, hey, man, my mom would always say, I can't live your life for you. I wish I could, but I can't. Right. And so um, what they gave me, whether they knew it or not, was the permission to figure out what I wanted to do, what nice. what really drove me. So I went to Cornell. The reason why I went, uh, I mentioned that is, and I don't mean to make this about me. I feel like I'm centering myself in an interview no, about you, but journey, let me. Man. But this is part of it, right? So anyway, I go to Cornell, and you know, I'm hot shit uh, uh, high school kid, and then I get to Cornell, I'm like, holy shit, everybody's smart. I'm not the only one, and everybody in my mind, in my childish mind, I thought everybody knew exactly what they were doing, and I'm the only one who doesn't know what they're doing, right? And so I went on this journey um, where I was doing everything that I thought I was supposed to do. I took chemical engineering and I was a chemical engineering oh, wow. degree because that's what you're supposed to do, right? That's what my mom and dad would want me to do. That's what's going to make me money, right? Mm -hmm. Don't think about things like the arts, which is what I loved, but even my parents were like, hey, you can do that as a, you know, on the side, you can do that this way, but it's yeah. not really any, a writer, you want to be what? Like, no, you can't make money, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I went through a sort of a breakdown a little bit where I was like, why am I on this journey that I have not chosen? And I have all of these resources. We weren't rich, but we, I definitely didn't, I definitely had a place that I could fail and I had a bed to sleep in when I did fail. So what I did was in looking at this um, ikigai, um, 
is I wrote myself a mission statement when I graduated school. And I said, you know, I'm just going to find, I'm going to look for what makes me happy. I know I love standing in front of a group of people and teaching. I know I love doing that. I know I love like sort of motivating crowds in some way, right? And so I am going to figure out like whatever I, anytime I hear myself say, I've always wanted to do X, Y, Z, I'm going to do it no matter what. And so then finally acting came around and finally guitar playing came around and all that stuff. And I found myself building my own passion. That's why I'm having this long monologue nice. about myself because it nice. goes right to what the fuck you're saying, right? Where it was like, I, I wanna find what makes me what lights me up and then exactly. hopefully if I can make money off of it great you know what I mean but like I'll figure something out and boy I wish that everybody had that experience you know maybe yeah. I luckily found it for myself and my friends and all that stuff but like having that as the core of your curriculum in life forget about education forget about it. like everybody Dude, this is like, <laughs> you could start a cult with this. <laughs> Don't start a cult with this, but you could. <laughs> I, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say a couple of things because I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to pivot us. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to, I'm going to pivot us to uh, your origin story, but I do want to say about yep. the Ikigai, the thing that's interesting about this, that ties into something that you said earlier. Uh, and I think we've talked about this too because I've talked about the yoga instructor and how it's like you're mm. stretching and he's like there is no end there is no place yeah. where you've done this enough you just have to yeah. keep going you explore you learn more your body gets more flexible yeah. you can do more things mm -hmm. the really interesting thing and I feel like we're totally giving this ikigai approach like this a lot of airtime but um, a lot of props yeah a lot of props <laughs> but the Fantastic. thing the really interesting thing about this is that we're looking at it in a flat 2d way but it's mm. almost as if all of these things are plates being balanced on toothpicks. Mm -hmm. And so to get mm. to that center spot, you're gonna shift sometimes to the world needs yeah. or sometimes what you can be paid for or sometimes what mm -hmm. you love or what you're good at. And you're trying to find that balance and that nice. balance, when you find that balance, it is almost like, uh, you know, you talk, you, you hear about these places on the earth, if you go, and if you're there, and it's because of the longitude and latitude, uh, and the magnetism, something amazing happens in that place. The amazing mm -hmm. thing about the balance here is that's where meaning comes from. And I think you guys mm. both talked about it. Like, this is beyond like what you can make money at or what the world needs. This is how do you lead a meaningful life mm -hmm. where yeah. you can survive? Mm -hmm. No, where you can thrive. Thrive, bang, yeah. yeah. Because you feel good about what you, what it is you're doing. You feel mm -hmm. that you're contributing to society. You're being um, compensated for it well. Mm. All of this, and then it's also tied to the thing that you love, so it doesn't even feel like work. This, right. yeah. I'm, I'm on a break right now. This podcast never feels like work. I'll text Otto like, hey, are you free at this time? Mm. And he's like, yeah, I'm free. Great, we'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Luca and I, if, if not every week, every other week, at least two times a month, we will find that window of time that works between California and Adelaide. By the way, Adelaide yeah. is a half hour off of every other time zone. You know, like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, half like, hour. Yeah. Like grief. to shake it up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it gets complex. Yeah, <laughs> but but you do that, and I even when I talked to him last Friday, yeah. where I was like, "Hey, can we get you? On, can we get you on the podcast?" You do that because you gain so much from it. It helps you get closer mm. to that point where you're balancing, and you're connecting yeah. to that magnetism, which is you know your meaning, like your meaning or feeling meaningful in life. Yeah, and so yeah. I'm going to push on this even further and say, 
one of the ways we kind of figure out what that ikigai is for the different people who come and chat with us is to hear their origin story. Mm. How's that for a transition, Hato? That was seamless, mate. What a segue. It was like smooth as butter, baby. Smooth as butter. So with that being said, we always tell people, you know, share as much or as little as you want to share, but you have gone, you've gotten to this point and I know, I mean, I'm going to push you at different points because you and I have talked more, so I know more about your life, but you've gotten to this Mm. point, bare minimum, if people have just been listening to this point where you get to ask a ton of interesting questions and you've designed your life in a way where you get to do and and experience and, and give the world what it needs through your talents. How did you get to this point? Is this stop? I mean, is there, you know, uh, I mean, you can start as early as you want, but were you, were you always in Adelaide? Like, how did you get here? Yeah. Do you know, I, I hate to quote a white guy, but, uh, <laughs> good old, uh me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. But, um, our old, our old mate, uh, Steve Jobs did, I uh, does have a good reflection here, I think, which is mm-hmm. you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. And so, you know, my, my life, like probably anyone's life only makes sense looking backwards, yeah, looking right. forward. There, there is no plan. The plan is right. follow curiosity, um, explore meaning. And so, uh, that's, that's kind of the first thing I always reflect on. If I look back, I can see these key moments, um, in my journey so far that of course have brought me to be sitting here with you two wonderful gentlemen having this conversation, you know, and mm-hmm. it's kind of remarkable, you know, the idea of the future casting thing, like the future doesn't exist, nor does the past. It's only the present moment right. and the mm-hmm. present moment that's happened or that is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and what we, I do in human psychology, we forget about that all the time, but I do like to, I mean, so I'll start with this, right? Whenever we have an origin story, you know, what I, what I realized only the other day is if you, if we go back 12 generations in our lives, there were 2048 human beings whose genetic material over 12 generations have contributed to who we are today. Mm. That's mm. 300 years. Like, mm. so there are over 2000 individuals, let's say a generation is 25 years. You know, right. that's, that's the power of the exponential, right? I mean, that kind of blows my mind when you think mm. about that, you know? So I was born in Australia. That was the first in my family to be born here. And that's a, not a uniquely um, interesting story. You know, Australia beyond our first Australian communities is a largely immigrant country. Right, mm-hmm. we're very multicultural. Uh, so my mum came by boat uh, from northern Greece, for, of oh, Pontiac wow. and northern Greek parents from a, a rural village out mm-hmm. there, from a farming farming family, agricultural family. And my dad Yukon, came from. That's a, is that a Greek name? It is indeed. Yeah, and the, Sorry, the, the strange okay. spelling is also like the Greek bit as well, Luca. Got it. Which you become Lucas or Luke in English. Got it. But my parents, okay. you know, rebels. In fact, right. <laughs> well, I, I mean, part is you know what's in a name. And I think I've kind of come to reclaim my name a little bit because for a long time I was like, just call me Luca or Luke or whatever. But you more do. and more I'm like, my name is Luca. Yeah. You know, like that's that's what mm-hmm. it is. So, yeah. and the people attempt it and they still can't get it. But the fact yeah. that they try, like, is, yeah. is amazing. Yep. Um, Same with me. Yep. Same and you know, and, and that it's not even that complex a name. Like it's not a East Asian tonal name or anything. Right. <laughs> it's kind of free yeah. people. But, yeah. um, but my full name is actually Luca Cosmas Hachotis Parry, right? So it's like this Greek, 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 three punch combination and then yeah. like this Welsh kind of knockout <laughs> punch to finish, you know what I mean? The UFC in the headline. Yeah. Uh, and I've kind of, I've really reclaimed that. And you know, the, the thing about meaning and a lot of this conversation has been about us seeking meaning. Um, 
is if I think back to where I'm sitting right now, which is on Ghana Yarta, so Ghana country, which is the Aboriginal peoples of this part of this, this ancient land. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, my, my family, my Papua Nyaya, my grand, great grandparents, they bought this 10 acre farm I'm currently sitting on. This is my COVID hideout, uh -huh. right? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> uh, and I remember this game I used to play with my papu, and he would say, Lukati Masu. And I spoke no Greek, right? That's a whole right. story, but uh, that means what's your name? And I'd say, Luca Cosmas Hashotis Pari, you know? <laughs> and uh, his name was Cosmas Hashotis. So my two middle names were his name. And he'd say, Bravo, Pedimo. And you could see this proud, like this proud Greek mm. man, you know, in his singlet, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, and there was that unconditional love that was definitely part of my upbringing and, and the sense of that I was a Greek Welsh Australian, but it really took, an, uh, you know, for him to die of a heart attack when I was 16 years old, you know, a young man, for me to realize that I had lost an opportunity to connect with who I am because I hadn't mm. asked him his stories. And that was for a very simple reason. I didn't speak Greek and his English uh, was pretty limited still. He came as an adult to Australia. And of course, the Greeks would largely hang out with other Greeks, dance and cook and have, have great time. So, yeah. um, so that kind of, that really, that's, that's opened something in me about the kind of curiosity about who I am. Um, mm -hmm. And so when I moved to, I finished high school, moved to Northern Wales to connect with uh, that side of my family um, and then went to Dublin. And I lived, for Dublin, lived in Dublin for six months playing Gaelic football, which is a fantastic game, North oh, wow. County, Dublin, you know, kind of working class suburb with amazing kind of young men, like, and that for me was, that was an education for sure. Mm -hmm. It's like the old story, I left a boy, returned a man, you know, like yeah. I was 18 <laughs> years old. I kind of was trying to work it all out, but uh, yeah, I mean, that, what I realized there was actually a lot around the role that education plays. And so again, traversing then Europe for a, a year and a half after that, you know, this is very much, Arto, as you said, like a rite of passage somewhat for mm. Australians, you know, mm -hmm. we are kind of the antipodes. We're kind of beautifully tucked down in, in the Southern hemisphere. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just realized a lot. I became more and more curious about my own family's history, but mm. of course the history of all families, like what's our mm. human history. Uh, and I realized as I returned to Australia that I wanted to contribute uh, as much as possible for me, that was to become an educator. Mm. And so that's, that's where I started. And I, but you know, if I was saving, working all these jobs and traveling as much as I could to explore other parts of the world. And I also picked up languages, you know, I was monolingual at 18 and now I speak five languages, uh, to communicative levels. You know, yeah, we can yeah. have a long conversation about what's fluency, but, right. but you know, just on the humble, modern, just on the humble five languages. Just on the humble. But <laughs> modern, yeah. I mean, there was so much work there, man. I swear. <laughs> I was like oh, such, a, but you know, like mastering, like, difficult things is something yeah. that I've, I've really tried to do over time. And the music's the that. same kind of concept for me. So after, you know, going to university, I, I lived in South America in Chile to learn Spanish. Uh, I went and lived in Greece to learn modern Greek so I could speak with my yaya and kind of mm -hmm. start to ask her those questions. I actually did like a research project on my own family's history and wow. found out all these remarkable things about how her father had walked from Pondus, like a thousand kilometers, which is in Northern Turkey, yeah. all the way across to Northern Greece in 1923 for the population exchange where 1.2 million Greeks were kind of forced across into Greece from what is now Turkey and 25,000 Turks or Muslim um, Turk heritage were forced to cross into Turkey. Anyway, it's this whole nightmare scenario wow. um, yeah. as part of kind of the war and stuff. And uh, he had six siblings and every single one of them died, including his mother in that, in that kind of march 
somewhat wow. of a kind of you know yeah. death march of sorts all the yeah. way across so i mean all this stuff i was like i had no idea about any of this right and so again i became so interested i just i became a mad history buff i just wanted mm -hmm. to read about like how has the world changed and what have leaders enabled in um in positive and also horrific ways um you know I've gone and visited you know the concentration camps and the extermination camps just traveled around the world to different parts of the world to cambodia to see the Khmer. like all this stuff mm -hmm. just so interested in all of it right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh and by this point i was like well learning is definitely my thing like it's yeah. what i love to do cool. like it lights me up what lights me up discovering something new about a human being or about a concept or an idea and connecting mm -hmm. that to other relationships or mental maps that i might have already uh, and then I realized, right, as you're traveling around the world going, I'm an Aussie, right? It was of course what we refer to ourselves. And, yeah. and I just want to, I want to correct all, all our wonderful American listeners. It's Aussie with a Z, right? Yeah. Not Aussie with Aussie, an S. Yeah. I think you mean, a Z. If, you're, if you're speaking to the Americans, you want to say Z instead of Z because they all have. Oh, yeah. right. so there you go. <laughs> I didn't even get that right. Good catch. Yeah. That's, that's right, so, uh, yeah, but you go around saying I'm an Aussie, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and the more and more I said that, you know, I realized that both my parents had come to Australia by boat in the sixties. Mm -hmm. uh, I was sure born there, but I didn't know very much about the history of the country that I called home. And so I came back with a deep curiosity to understand first Australians, our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and cultures and languages. And so that's why I began my career as an educator. So I, I moved not 15 minutes down the road, which was an option to a school from my home in Southern Adelaide here in South Australia, but 15 hours north up the road, you know, a very straight long road into the central yeah. desert of Australia and uh, into an Aboriginal community of 350 people. Wow. And what, what was really powerful for me is, you know, an educated Greek Welsh white guy, right, mm -hmm. is being a minority. Mm -hmm. And this is something that travel can teach, particularly people that don't understand privilege, right? And I've been on my own journey around that, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, male, female, like gender privilege, right? Cultural privilege, racial privilege. Like, mm -hmm. I don't have to think about some things that, and I saw this firsthand, right? And it yeah. was just illuminated to me, like, we would take our young learners down to Adelaide and you would just see the way that shop owners would respond differently, mm -hmm. you know? And my colleagues, like my co-principal, a wonderful Aboriginal leader called Sandra. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we went to a car lot once and basically the guy, I mean, it was, I, I, it, I mean, for, for, it was her experience, right? But mm -hmm. I was just, I was witnessing it, mm -hmm. which is to say like, the guy's like, well, you can't afford the car basically. Ooh. because he was black and yeah. you know so and so what i realized through that was just, it, it taught me so much i went out there to teach right but i actually mm. learned more than probably yeah. i taught the young people yeah. as enthusiastic as i was pulling out break dance and music and you know all my passion for history and culture and everything else right um but i spent five and a half years in that community and it has had a profound impact on my life uh and i got it, i feel very lucky to have learned to cut you off just I was curious what, what you were teaching. Were you teaching history? Were you teaching language? Or I was like a middle school teacher. I was teaching, I was a generalist uh, teacher. So English, cool. yep. science, maths, yeah. and then I did some of the humanities. Eventually we moved, we created a secondary school model where I got to teach music, which I'm very passionate about. Yeah. And we also taught uh, first language. So Pidjan Jada, Yankun Jada as a topic. And I was the support teacher working wow. alongside an, uh, an Aboriginal teacher, right? Which it was wow. wonderful to play the support role. You know, and use my skills in pedagogy, like the teaching and learning process, 
Mm-hmm. But of course, I had none of the cultural or linguistic knowledge. I mean, that mm-hmm. was developing for me. But I feel I feel pretty um, I feel very lucky actually to have have wow. been taught a lot yeah. of that a lot of the language. Some learned some of the inma, the chukurpa, the, the kind of culture right. as well. Uh, and it's a really special part of the world, I would say. Do, do you have some fluency in those languages? I mean, it sounds like you you do. So you could go there and start having, you strike up a conversation and that kind of thing. Yeah, so that's, that's Pichinjara. That's a Western desert language, which is a, a beautifully dynamic, fully expressed yeah. language. This is not mm. an inferior language. It's, it's a full-blown language. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's likely one of the oldest languages in the world. That's incredible. It's tens of thousands yeah. of years of, of continuous you know, occupation yeah. of cyclical rotational life. And, and I learned a lot about deep time, right? And mm-hmm. like the difference, Ato in particular, and I say your name because Kwaku and I talk about this all the time, but the difference between schooling as, an, as a kind of a institution, as a mass schooling, which was, you know, again, created to solve a particular problem. And it did, right? Sure. It drove mm-hmm. the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. But the difference between that and between Indigenous knowledge systems and learning structures, yeah. oh, yeah. mate, it was like yeah. eons apart. So at worst, we were Western institution imposing our will. At best, mm-hmm. we were a culturally owned and with co-agency, this idea of all of us contributing what we could mm-hmm. as a community school that was empowering mm-hmm. young people in their own development. And of course, we tried to become that school as much as possible. Um, yeah. And our questions at, in the staff room, by the way, weren't like, how did the test go? It's like, yeah. what is school for? You know, like <laughs> big, big questions, like so philosophical. But of course, that, so that, what's interesting now is I spend most of my time talking about the future of education. Like I'd, I'd say I'm an education futurist as well, right? It's mm-hmm. something that I'm really interested in. We should visit the future often uh, mm-hmm. is something that's that's been said, which I think is a really great point um, yeah. because we're in a futures game in yeah. terms of supporting young people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but my first education was with the longest continuing culture anywhere in the world and learning from them. So going from this idea of kind of really amazing ancient yet contemporary knowledge systems mm-hmm. that continue mm-hmm. and then thinking about well what can we learn from those indigenous knowledge systems for the way that we design because right. indigenous thinking potentially can help us save the world right. mm-hmm. it's, it has sustainability built in to its mm-hmm. core um, mm-hmm. alongside another a range of other things so that's my kind of origin story right like on yeah. on the way on the way i've been you know adventuring all over the place continue to travel pretty um extensively uh and give myself just strange challenges. You know, I often think, what would it, if I, in the next 10 years, what would I like to kind of experiment and try? And then I try to achieve it in 10 months. Um, right. Sometimes I've been successful and other times I've just burnt <laughs> myself out to a crisp, but um, that's kind like of, what? that's where I'm at. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I mean, I, I'm lucky because I think as Kwaku said, like I, I never would have thought I'd be an entrepreneur, but largely that is how I am now, a social entrepreneur in any case, mm-hmm. you know, running a, like a consulting organization that supports schools. Mm-hmm. Um, also co-leading an international not-for-profit called Karanga, which actually is an indigenous concept from the Māori of New Zealand. It means a call out mm-hmm. from the heart, a call out and welcome. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a global alliance for social, emotional learning and life skills. And so we're trying to collect and enable all of the different organisations and human beings that are trying to elevate those key skills, not soft skills, key skills, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in all learning processes. So back to your earlier point about where should governments invest well, they should absolutely invest in education. We have so much cost benefit analysis 
that's come out on that. Like it's just, it's smart to do so. You save mm -hmm. yourself money. Yeah. However, that's doing long-term thinking in a short-term world. And then there's a whole issue of short-termism. And I mean, you've just seen it there in the US with yeah. supposedly four years, but you know, half of that is campaigning, potentially all four years if it was campaigning, right? We have yeah. the same challenges in most of our democracies around the world. And, you know, there's a question if representative democracies even will serve us or if we move to mm -hmm. participatory democracies, like how do we mm -hmm. actually become closer to the civic process rather yeah. than further away? Because, you know, the influence of big dollars of algorithms is, is pretty perverse. So anyway, that's it's kind of what I, again, I, I get to just yeah. talk about ideas a lot of the time now, but but not just ideas, also like, how do they become actions? Like I'm interested in the concept becoming concrete mm -hmm. and the idea of the mental models that drive our behaviors. You know, in, in the meantime, I have spent a lot of time at university, like I've got an applied linguistics master's degree and I've got an educational leadership one. Um, again, that was just me following curiosity and just learning. Yeah. But our language reveals what we believe. Uh, so I'm interested in that. And I'm also interested in, in what leadership needs to be for today's world. Right. as we think about tomorrow's um tomorrow's challenges right, so. and when when with this um with the consulting for is that the main thing that you do is that like what you said seven to seven is that your seven to seven? <laughs> yeah that's a bit of a joke <laughs> okay, yeah, um, I, I, got I don't have a, i don't have a thing well you know because it's global time zones i mean i have a portfolio right, right. life right and that sounds like a stupidly yeah. millennial thing to say but it also <laughs> is accurate <laughs> and i am a bit of a stupid yeah player. but yeah it's true and, so and it, yeah the learning future is is what i would do two days a week. I work for a not-for-profit here called Learning Creates Australia. We're trying to transform the way that we recognize and credential education in our nation of 25 mm -hmm. million people. So that's a really, that's really deep system change work. Uh, there's the not-for-profit yeah. as well. And we do a whole range of different global convenings with the OECD and, you know, UNESCO and a range of other amazing groups. And then a couple of podcasts and a bit of board work, particularly around ecology. How do we make Adelaide a cool, green, wild and climate resilient city? You know, knowing that the climate is warming, we're a very mm -hmm. hot, dry state here in this part of the world. So we need to think about the ecology, right? So yeah. there's all these overlays and all these connections, I think, and all the all the things I'm exploring. And and I and I guess why I asked that question is, um, do you find in the experience that you've had with this, um, I, I would imagine there's an initial resistance to this new hippie way of thinking of education and no, we just want the test to get right. And then what about the SATs? How are you going to help my kid with an SAT? Are you finding that you are, you know, making progress or making headway? Are you finding that some of the more sort of solid institutional sort of what I as a Westerner would think of a school are, are finding are, are you finding headways into these sort of like staid institutions now that maybe you have some hope in the future? I like to think of myself after as an action-based optimist, right? Mm. So I am optimistic about the future, mm -hmm. but we need to take action to bring that optimistic future mm -hmm. to bear, right? right. To help, help bring that into existence. And when you look around the world, there are phenomenally committed humans working in most schools mm -hmm. the challenge is twofold one is how liberated do they feel themselves mm. in terms of being able to do their best work the higher order thinking and the second is how liberating are the systemic conditions right we talked about those different conditions that help mm -hmm. us do the work i mean overwhelmingly it's it's clear that the paradigm of that kind of traditional schooling is over yeah. What we're seeing is now a transition. And, 
you know, in some parts of the world, the more rapid that transition, the better it will be for that particular nation state mm-hmm. uh, or that particular community. But even in the United States, the United States has some of the best schools in the world. It also has some mm-hmm. of the worst, but it's the same here in Australia, right? We have this enormous variation. And it's not because people aren't trying, it's because of the conditions that we've created. So more and more I'm thinking at this as a system thinker, I suppose, right? About complex dynamic systems and the idea of emergence. You know, learning is an emergent phenomenon as is consciousness, by the way, which I'm very mm-hmm. interested in, right? Like mm-hmm. we still can't work that one out. Like is yeah. it materialism? Like is it dualism? Is it post-dualism? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. how does consciousness? Anyway, so all that, we won't go down that right. deep rabbit hole. Yeah. But I would say I'm absolutely optimistic and we are seeing all these amazing bright spots and new practices and Kwaku and I have spent lots of time at High Tech High. Kwaku's work there in San Diego mm-hmm. as well is you know, really innovative and futures focused. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these things happening. And the challenge for all of us is how do we ensure that they don't become the alternative? They become uh, the mainstream. And so yeah. even, the, even the language we use around of the alternative, I'm going to send my child to the alternative school. Yeah. Because I'm like, wait a sec, why is it the alternative, right? So right. You know, how do we enable every young person to have a, an individualized, personalized journey throughout learning wherever they happen to go to school? And of course, other parts of the world and I don't want to point out Finland because they get all the credit. Don't right? they? There are other amazing jurisdictions, <laughs> yes. but I yeah. will. And the reason for that is that they depoliticized education really after World mm. War II. And they created mm-hmm. kind of a, you know, an external ministry institute effectively, um, as Singapore has done. And that's why what, what they said, they created an education act that meant it was illegal not to support a child if they had an additional need. You're like, whoa. Right. And how many children have additional needs? And I can't don't quote me on this, but it's I think it's like four out of five in the country. I think like all of them in some well, way. Right? Isn't that interesting? You know? Totally. Isn't that an interesting? That's a that's especially us like reconceiving, yeah. especially after yeah. the pandemic and what? Well, is, mate, we haven't yeah. even gone to that. But, and so, so the point around Finland is twofold. One is that educators, you know, you'll say, oh, mom, like I'm thinking about applying for university and I really want to get into education. And if that doesn't work out, then maybe I'll try medicine or or chemical engineering, mm-hmm. right? The status of mm. the teaching profession in Finland is incredibly high as it is in other high performing systems in the world. The other mm-hmm. thing is you say, well, what school should I send my child to? It's a nonsensical question in Finland by and large because they'll say, well, where do you live? Well, <laughs> the, the one on the corner. Like, right. What do you mean? Yeah. right. So it's the school choice aspect yeah. as well. Like there's a lot of debate about that and I'm open-minded about some of it, but I, I think some people would say, and I'm, I'm, I'm likely to agree that it's probably a distraction. The point is, how do we enable all schools to become right. better? And yes, you may have a specialist school that is kind of really pro music. You may have another one that is kind of a little bit more. That's fine, right? Let's go mm-hmm. for diversity, but let's not do it in a way where there are good schools and bad schools. Really, we want right. a tide that raises all boats because yeah. uh, that's that's the only way. And again, to come full circle to where we started, right? The Woodrow Wilson quote or the Andrew Carnegie quote, right? It's like, oh, there's ills in the body politic. Let's just educate people to a a level where they don't rise up, you right. know? So right. you know, there's right. that kind of aspect to this as well. So, you know, an educated populace is actually dangerous mm-hmm. if Which was my point you earlier. have an agenda. And it, yeah. it's, so this right. is ironic. I have a friend, Luca, my friend, my other friend who lives in Adelaide. I know one other person That's who so lives crazy. in Wood too. That's crazy. One, <laughs> one lives in Sydney, but the other one lives in Adelaide. And she she's actually kind of an interesting person because I know her from education. 
Um, mm. And I think I was telling I was telling you this story last Friday. She went to she went up to Harvard to you know get her doctorate in education, and so she got her doctorate. And while she was I think she was still there, she was getting in trouble with the university because she was doing all this work with the med school, but not doing not publishing enough work with the education department because she was helping doctors to frame how they shared symptoms and diagnoses mm-hmm. better with patients. So basically taking her skills as a teacher and applying it to that field. And so then mm-hmm. anyway, she ends up moving to Adelaide because her husband, I believe, is from Adelaide as well. Um, and Great spot. What's that? <laughs> it's a great spot. Shout out to Adelaide. Shout out to Adelaide. <laughs> Adelaide and Ikigai. That's this, they're, bringing, yeah. they're bringing this podcast. And so she was talking to me about this project that she was working on where she was doing all this research. Specifically, mm. and you were talking about the Carnegies and about a lot of people who were, it was, I think it was Andrew Carnegie and other people of that ilk who were basically trying to decide what kind of schools African-Americans should go to post-slavery to make them smart enough to be able to work in someone's home, but not too smart where they'd want a different role. Right. And they were using that to drive what the what that education experience should look like. And that's why when you brought that up earlier out there, I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. I understand yeah. why we model our educational system off of our financial or our social systems. Yeah. Because we want the have nots in order to have the haves. We want to have the Jeff Bezos because we all want to believe we can be Jeff Bezos. Because yeah. a lot of people feel if you've made that much money, you figured something out and you must be mm-hmm. brilliant. While most of the time, if you've made that much much money, you've been very lucky. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily it's make you that much smarter. Sorry. Yeah, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio Cortez put it in a great way. She says, "You nobody makes a billion dollars. Nobody on the planet has ever made a billion dollars. You took a billion dollars. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That's a different thing. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, I understand for a system." You know, we all of you know in history we've just basically come out of like the the feudal system and the uh, the monarch system, right? Like so, there's like one small little family that gets all the resources, and then everybody works for them. You build the pyramids for them, you build Buckingham Palace for them, you build the White House for them. You know what I mean? And they want to stay there. And again, with the Jeff Bezos concept, it's like there is plenty to fucking go around, right? That two hundred billion dollars. I don't care how many generations you got coming up. You're not you're not Never. getting through two hundred billion dollars. So like, you don't need that. You just don't need it. And like everybody else, like you said, you know, let the tide raise all the boats, right? Yeah. And so I guess one of my last questions I have for you is, um, you know, let's 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 look at this for a second as like alternative, right? You know what I mean? Because this is this is definitely not the system that I came up with. It's like, so. you know, K through 12, and then you go to college and da da da, da right? And then mm-hmm. uh, what are all the tests that you have to take? What ideally does that look like? You know, now that we're in COVID, and I think a lot of us, you know, especially the parents are understanding how important education is, if not just to get the kids the fuck out of the house for a little while so you can do something, right? <laughs> Preach. You know what I mean? Preach. And, and also we're, we're learning that like the Zoom education doesn't, they, a lot of the kids aren't even being educated because it's, you need that group environment. Yeah. So if we, if we, 
what I would love is to be able to vote for you as like the education czar in our school. Like I'd be like, yo, uh, Joe Biden, go to Adelaide, get my man Luca, bring his ass up here, pay him what he needs to be get paid, fuck Betsy DeVos, sit him there and tell us what to do and everybody shut up and listen. Like what does, what would that look like in, 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 in the world? Yeah. Uh, well, th- we got Linda Darling Hammond as the head of the transition team for education, and so and okay. L- you know, LDH. She'll I think she'll do some good work. The challenge, of course, is the inertia of systems is so strong. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. switch turning the Titanic. You swing the wheel, and it's just like mm-hmm. oh, it starts to move. So how do you bring in agility to the kind of mm-hmm. to change processes? Just generally, um, here's what I'd do after if I like flew in. What I'd say is you put all the chairs in a circle, you'd have young people, educators, parents, industry, system reps, and you'd say, cool. So what does the best school possible look like? What does it feel like? We know this about learning. There's a bunch of learning sciences, you know, again, constantly, we know more and more from the neuroscience field around the connection of emotion and cognition. If you don't care about something, it's almost biologically impossible to learn it, right? There has to be some level. Now we can make people care by putting an external moment in time and place like an SAT or a test mm-hmm. or an exam, mm-hmm. but that's not, that's not ikika. What we need is the internal motivation or intrinsic motivation, right? But, but I, I'm more and more interested in the idea of co-design. How do we get everyone around these challenges together and say, all right, young people, tell us, you know, when, when do you feel like you're best? Educators, you're hardworking, good intentioned people. Why are you, you know, how, how do you think we can all break these old mental models? Because, you know, as Keen says, it's not so much coming up with the new ideas, it's letting go of the old ones. Mm. That's the challenge for all of us. It's like, how do we let go of some of what we think a school should look like? We've all been schooled. I'm going to push on that, though, because we all mm. on, this, on this talk have said that we came up within these systems and we didn't un- even have a full understanding of what the system was until we moved back until we looked back and we're like, oh, and this is why this occurred. And that's why this is a thing here. And so I, and you know, for the record, I agree with you. We need to bring in the people who are going to be affected by it to help design it because they know what works best for them. But at the same time, the challenge is it's a lot to ask a student. And, and, and I bring this up specifically, I was just in a very similar process to this. I think I, I don't know if I talked to you about this with like the thing with TFA and, and the startup. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we had the kids in there as well. And there were some things. So, Otto, let me give full context. This organization, sure. they put together these little, like, I would say, like Zoom focus groups. And it was a mixture mm-hmm. of people from the organization, people from outside of the organization, and high school kids to vote on these educational ideas that they might fund. And for the most part, it was it was 90 percent of the time. It was amazing to hear their perspectives because it was so different than mine. Because a, I'm not in high school anymore. B, mm. I had context for some of these things that they didn't have context. But that was a challenge. There were things that they mm. felt really passionate about. Like, man, this is new. This is fresh. And there were things I was like, well, actually, they tried this ten years ago, and then they also tried this five years ago. And this is how this works, and this is how it doesn't work. And so, I guess what I'm pushing back on is one. Yeah. I love the idea of having the fresh perspective of a student saying, you know, no, this is why we should do this. This is why this is important for me. But as we've all admitted in this, in this conversation, it's hard to have that context 
in the present in the quote the quote that you used you connect the dots looking backwards yeah and so we're putting a lot of pressure on these kids to help design the future if they don't have the time or the space to look back and mm. connect those dots mm-hmm. i agree and you know what's I'll say jump in. Yeah, yeah. What what but but what I do like the two not that you're having opposing ideas, but what I do mm. like is if we track it back to what you started saying about con um conscience, uh consciousness, sorry. Mm. Um in that what we're finding or what I'm realizing was my privilege sort of as a part of what is seen as a marginalized community, but I wasn't necessarily marginalized in the way some other people who look like me are marginalized. Yeah. I lived in a neighborhood, even though we were, in many times, we were the only black people in the neighborhood, but I lived in a neighborhood that I felt like I was a part of, right? I felt like I was part nice. of this community. And so my, I, I didn't feel like an outsider who was being brought in like some sort of foreign object that's now we're, we're trying to make you something, right? I felt mm. like I was part of this. And I think part of the, the raising of the consciousness is why do we treat people like others? Mm. Like we're like, what the, what's fucking COVID teaching us right now? COVID doesn't care if you're Democratic or Republican or you're from Adelaide or you're from Ghana. It doesn't matter. You can get got. And the only way we stop it is if we all realize we're all in this together, right? And we also take our ego out of this. The other thing I wanted to say is, like, I think part of our ego in, in as humans is we think we are outside of nature. We're not part of nature. We have to go save nature. We even have to save the planet. It's like, no, no, no. We are part of this. Do you know what I mean? We're not outside of it. When I go to the woods, I'm not going to nature. I'm never leaving nature. And so if we take our ego out of it and we take yeah. the 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 ways we have categorized other people out of it, and then we create, we we not only encourage diversity, but we get to a point where we're not even talking about it as diversity anymore, right? We're just talking about like this, we're all part of this. We're not special. Like the only way we all can advance, I can advance is if the rest of you can. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I think that will tie to, you know, bringing a bunch of kids around and saying, hey, you're important, right? You're part of this. We can't get anywhere without you guys. So like, Let's all sit around in the corner. Let's or in, in the school. Let's let's bring in the teachers. Let's bring in the adults. Let's bring in the students. Let's bring in the people who aren't even going to school anymore, who have nothing quote to do with the school, right. and have all of them here, right? Mm. And that goes also to sort of the um, the more sort of the ways we think like indigenously, right? Like the whole concept of it takes a village. Like when we go back to Ghana, yeah. we yeah. still have that, right? And when you when you go out in, in, in the places in Australia, you see the sort of deep, long, I love that deep time knowledge of like, guys, this is how we do things. This is how we got this far. This is how we got yeah. out of the fucking ice age. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that combination of things, uh, I still, it's amazing, like you you still get sort of anchored in, or I still get anchored into what I think education looks like. And what I've learned here is like, I have no idea. I just have my own construct of what education is because of my, you know, 40 years of experience. But I'm like, Mm. oh, this whole thing could be different. Maybe it's not Mm -hmm. classrooms anymore. Maybe it's something else. Maybe, do you know what I mean? Like there's so many options. And like you said earlier, we have the technology to do it right now. It's just mm. 
consciousness and will. That's it. There's, there's, you know, <laughs> it's kind of amazing. So anyway, that's kind of what I'm getting mm. out of this. That's, that's great. That's again, so much, uh, Amen. connections to that. I mean, I, a couple of, a couple of things I reckon you've just put so well, both of you actually, mm. one is that we need a renewed number one, we need a renewed definition of success mm-hmm. and yeah. success cannot be, this is what it was for me. The new definition of success is collective well-being. Mm. right it's not just well-being for one individual it's moving from me to we so it's collective well-being and there are countries that are paying attention to this number two is this idea of freedom that we haven't discussed explicitly but it's something that in particularly in the u.s context is really interesting you know the idea of there's freedom to and there's freedom from and the u.s is amazing at freedom to right you you cut out for a second sorry oh sorry so freedom to so the idea of you know the u.s is amazing at the freedom to like the freedom to be able to say what you want to say to practice your religion to bear arms mm-hmm. to, you know to kind of live your own life right amazing mm-hmm. but what it's in my view not yet good at is freedom from mm-hmm. and that's freedom from poverty or freedom from becoming bankrupt because you have a health problem you know like mm-hmm. and so this is when we think about societal evolution you know in my view a good society both has freedom to and freedom from aspects and it balances those in a way that serves the success which is collective well-being that means mm-hmm. that we are all in this together, as you say. You know, COVID has disrupted, but it's also revealed. It's revealed mm-hmm. things about who we are and how our mm-hmm. societies function. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of schools, right? Like school is a place. Learning is an activity. So your whole point around schools, like does learning take place in a classroom? Hell no. It takes place, you know, outside Everywhere. of school. Yeah. Out non-formal, mm-hmm. informal, non-formal. Like learning is a human act, right? It's a default mm-hmm. state of all of us. We are learning. The challenge is, as Kwaku and I as educators would attest, sometimes young people don't want to learn what you want to teach. And so you have to kind of unpack that and be like, well, why? what is it about yep. what I'm trying to deliver here? You know, what I've designed up. Uh, so that, and that's where the creativity, the art of teaching comes in as well as the science um, of teaching. And so the last thing I'd say, I reckon, is this idea of purpose, which has been a real powerful thing, right? I, I think purpose should be what we aim for, not happiness. Because happiness is something that can't be pursued. Happiness can only ensue, right? It can only be a product of us pursuing something like meaning. And yeah. Viktor Frankl in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, talks about this concept, right? Logotherapy, logo, like the meaning. So how do we ensure that we create meaningful experiences for everyone in schools? How do we enable everyone to live a meaningful life in society? And if we can do that, then we are going to be solving some of the challenges that we have you know, inadvertently or advertently created um, by the way that we've structured our economic system and our society. So without doubt, the way that we design our learning environments and our learning experiences is kind of the key condition to this, in my view, along with evolving our articulation of economics. You know, we don't talk about, well, we talk a lot about minimum wage, right? Australia has the second highest minimum wage in the world. The US is struggling to go for 15 US in all the state. And I think it's a living wage, like, how yeah. is that a concept? No one yeah. talks about a maximum wage. Yeah. Because, well, that seems a bit outrageous, doesn't it? But, you know, it's something, oh, the estate tax in the US, right, is Incredible. called the death tax. And that's framing, and yeah. everyone wants to abolish it. It's only going to impact like 0.05% of the population. Yeah. So, why? You know, it's the beautiful yeah. optimism of, yeah. of humans, particularly Americans, yeah. which is if I make it, I don't want to give the government my money. Yeah. If you've made it, that's exactly what you should do because exactly you know and so more and more we're seeing the buffett rule come into play we've got elon Mm -hmm. musk who today 
is now the second wealthiest individual in the world because yep. Tesla is going gangbusters. Yep. Uh, you know, and so the, the point is the Forbes list for the first time um, has added a philanthropy score. And that's like, Good. that's a small change, but it's a mm. positive change, mm. you know, but then we have to think about, well, do we want philanthropic capitalism? Do we want people to accumulate such amazing wealth and then to have to give it away? Or do we want yeah. it more distributed from the beginning anyway? I mean, yeah. I don't believe in trickle down economics. I don't think there's actually much evidence for it. it it's middle out economics. Yeah. It's how do we support families to spend in the economy? You yeah. know, because they're going to yeah. more efficiently spend a hundred billion dollars than one individual ever can. And so, the last thing I'll say is like, if I've learned anything at all about the way that we should design all systems and all, all workplaces and organisations, is that we have to give ourselves permission to feel, which is to use, you know, a phrase that my colleague Mark Brackett at Yale University would say. You know, the idea we have to pay attention to our emotions and our social connectedness alongside what we think. We are feeling beings that think not thinking beings that feel and i think mm. Arto as an actor like you would see like the emotional portrayal of a character right in education mm -hmm. if someone doesn't feel like they belong like they're psychologically safe then mm -hmm. quite literally there, there aren't the conditions for them to learn effectively and optimally yeah. so if we can pay attention to the social emotional and academic growth in a more holistic way and we can even bridge that out think ecologically how are parents and community involved in this you know i think then we're going some way to creating better experiences for all people. You know, how do we treat all children as whole children or all people as whole people? Like that's where social justice intersects with things like social emotional learning, which clearly is something I'm very passionate about. Yeah. So that's, that's I think where, I mean, that's, that's my learning edge right now is how do we cre create more human consciousness uh, in a way where we can live, you know, within our planetary limits but also create a social floor where nobody actually falls through the cracks and everyone can live a meaningful and fulfilled life. Well, damn. Um, <laughs> I said before <laughs> that you shouldn't start a cult, but if you did, I'd join it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> If coming. you felt that that was the best way, uh, okay. Well, I'm honored. I said. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was... Um, uh, I'm always uh, happy for my relationship with Kwaku because um, part of it is I get to meet incredible people and have fantastic conversations and that we um, that's the base of basis of our friendship. We do other things, obviously, you know, it's not like, you know, we actually talk. <laughs> um, but um, this was uh, just an absolutely, you know, mind exploding uh you know, you think you think you know everything, right? You, or you think, well, I'm 48 years old, I know this, and then you, somebody puts something some way, and you're like, holy shit, I, wow, right? So, I really, really um, have enjoyed this conversation. Uh, thank you, Kwaku, and thank you, Luca, because you, you, uh, this was, geez, I'm gonna be really tired. I'm probably gonna need to take an edible or something just to like just to cool <laughs> off a little bit. You know what I mean? Um, but wow, man, uh, we gotta have you back on because there's so many other things I didn't want to ask and and say. And uh, thank you so much. That's all I can say. Thank you. There's, I mean, Lots. we are we are just scratching the surface. It. We like there's yeah. this whole other conversation. That, so I'm actually doing Luca's podcast tonight. 
Oh, sweet. Um, and so there's 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 all these things that I, I wanted to introduce, but there's so much going on that oh, we can't man. we can't do a six hour episode as much as we would like yeah. to. We've tried that mm-hmm. before. Um, <laughs> we enjoy it. People stop listening after twenty minutes. <laughs> Not that that's what drives us. Um, but I will I will say this: that poem that I sent you earlier. Yes, that was a poem that I figured that out. Did you that that came from Luca? Yeah, and well, talking to him I was like, oh, that's where that poem came from. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, the yeah. thing that you shared with me on Friday ah, from the, from um, from what's his name's thing from the group mm-hmm. thing. Um, there, yeah, from Mariah Mount. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So there, there is that. There is the search for meaning. The idea of even empowering people to to lead meaningful lives. I'll be honest; both mm-hmm. of you empower me to do that, that, which is why it's really great to have both of you in a conversation like this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's mutual quackle. You know? yeah. um, Very cool. And what I'm going to say, since we're, since we're coming close to wrapping up, Luca, do you have anything that you're either working on or that's coming up that you'd like to be able to share out? If you don't, then we just have you back for another four hours. I mean, we can always do yeah. that. So don't <laughs> yeah. feel pressure. Now, to, to be honest, like I think uh, I'm just trying to follow curiosity. So, and that's, that's why I, I like to say I suffer from enthusiasm, not from boredom. You know, like constantly stretched doing too many things, but uh, I'm okay with that being my default state because I think if you get to the end of your days and you're like, well, shit, that was a ride, you know, like well, I didn't, yeah. didn't leave anything in the tank. Like I'm completely wiped out, <laughs> you know, mm. I think that's a life well lived. Um, and so, I mean, I, I run a couple of podcasts myself. One's called The Learning Future, which is about all things to do with learning. It's quite broad. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, we speak with some of the world's best educationalists, innovators, researchers, practitioners from all over the place. Uh, and a lot of that is, is through a social and emotional learning lens. And the other one that I run is actually called The Future City. And again, mm-hmm. and this is like my learning edge right now. Is um, I contribute here on a government board in South Australia, you know, about trying to create an urban environment that's greener and cooler and more climate resilient. Um, Otto's face. Okay. Otto's face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've been. I, oh man, we got. Well, this we got to talk about this offline because I've been trying to come up with a podcast about my neighborhood and like what makes a neighborhood and what's important about nice. a neighborhood and the people. So I, I'm gonna be picking your brain. Even oh, Otto, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna live in your head. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's the future city. Uh, dot org. Awesome. And, and we, we spoke with some of the team from uh, Black Space NYC, for example, oh, okay. which are this awesome group that are kind of talking about how do communities reclaim the mm. cultural space and, and place make, uh, and you know, how do they mm. effectively share their own history through their lens, as opposed to mm. having some company come in and like walk through Brooklyn or walk through yeah, the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and we spoke to a NASA scientist a couple of weeks ago as well about urban air transport, you know, anyway, lots of... Wow. I'd love to share that stuff. But that for me is like, that's my learning edge. And I think you can tell, like, I just, I love exploring ideas. uh, And I just wanted to honor both of you for, you know, just a a wonderful exploration of ideas. Um, It's been, it's been a great, great time. It's fantastic, man. Fantastic. Wow. And with that said, who are you with the glasses? My name is Kwaku and there's a ton of background noise. So I'm going to try to jump around this. Who are you in the amazing pink t-shirt? I'm Otto, and this is Radio Zamunda, the dope shit. And who have I been honored to meet and learn from and get my mind just exploded by? That's uh, please say the whole thing. Uh, say the whole thing, oh. including your middle name. Oh, the whole thing. Say the whole thing. Oh, yeah, go through the whole thing, bro. Uh, 
yeah, I've been Lukaku's mas hashotis parry. Right on. Man, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with us today. And I look yeah. forward to the point where all three of us actually can be in the same room, which, yeah, man. you know, given a year or two might be in Austin. And, you know, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> oh, yes. We'll see. Very we cool. will see. Make it happen. Cool. Still all over there. Ah, oh, gentlemen. Man, that was awesome. Until next wow. time. Just for me. Been waiting so long for a woman like you to make me feel so right. Got you and the devil's just for me. Just for me. Been waiting so long for a woman like you to make me feel so right. Man, we yeah. are, yeah. Yeah, I got to thank you one more time, man. Uh, that cat is some seriously dope shit. And uh, yeah, like I said, I, like I said, you know, we've, you've, thankfully for me, you've brought on people of this ilk, you know, the, the sort of movers and shakers, I'd say, in the, in the education space and, you know, I, I think that, okay, I've known every, you know, we, we had Laura McBain um, mm. and your man, uh, what's your Dan, Dan Ryder. Dan, yep, Dan, um, somebody else um, came out. Who, who, who did we have right before this? Um, the lady. Oh, oh uh, Lisa K. Solomon. Lisa K. Solomon. Like everybody's just like freaking club bangers. You know what I mean? Like everybody <laughs> comes in just like locked and loaded and I'm always blown away. So I think, all right. We've had these people. All right, he's bringing another person from that same space. All right, I'm I'm now used to this. I'm now used right. to this sort of information, and I kind of get it. And I kind of can like, I have my own things. I can sort of steal from Laura McBain and try to impress this new guy. Uh, right. Uh, but no, <laughs> uh, f- I, I am a I am again wide open, and uh, that was amazing. That was amazing. See, it's interesting because I this is how I feel whenever you bring on um specifically like I mean it can be actors but writers as well like like Ravi was it Ravi is Ravi no Ravi actually I'm saying this Ravi's an unreleased one not even Ravi oh Rajiv 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 yeah, yeah Rajiv Joseph yeah yeah Rajiv which you know people didn't get to hear but David Matthews yeah um, yeah and who is your who was David the Matthews we didn't get to do either uh, his was unreleased too great so i'm like yeah, yeah. we've, stuff we've got people. some unreleased secret vault stuff out yeah there. yeah yeah but these are like the deepest conversations even um your co-star from away and i'm spacing on his name oh right ray panthaki ray yeah. yes Ray was oof ray and it's it to me it's always the same thing where it's just like you bring on these people that are so interesting that yeah. open my eyes yeah to um to basically their creative process yeah. and it was it was interesting how luca talked about how or talked about like the similarities between acting and mm-hmm. teaching and oh, like right. the performance aspect of it but also the the subtleties of it yeah and so i mean this is a long way of me saying i'm just trying to keep up with you with all the amazing oh, people that you yeah. know whatever yeah but it's it's interesting like pulling the sort of acting and teaching thing together because i think that i think the well, at least in my 
estimation, the wrong way to think about acting and teaching is like a sort of egocentric, like I'm mm. teaching or I'm acting and it's about my feelings and like I felt that in the moment. And the more I act, I realize it doesn't matter what the hell I feel inside, right? It's what you guys get as the audience. Your mm. your feelings and how you're inspired by my performance is what's more important. So if I give myself more to the acting to to sort of like the story of what I'm doing instead of my own ego, right? Which I learned from Hilary Swank. Speaking of away, um, just to sort of go away from our current topic right now, but um, can we say away one more time? Or away? Yes. <laughs> yes um, <laughs> but um, she she's a speaking. I told her she's a great teacher, just a natural teacher. And um, one of the things that she said was. You know, I've spent a lot of time, you know, trying to avoid knowing that the camera is there because it's more important that I'm in the moment of the scene. She's like, oh, yeah, that's great. But like the camera is your audience. Look inside the camera. It looks like an eye. That's who you're doing this for. So that's mm. more important than your own feelings and your own like, did I get the scene or did I hit this, you know, moment correctly? It's like if you hit it, but they don't see it doesn't matter. Right. And so it, it's it takes your ego out of it. And I feel like that's what Luca um, suddenly underneath everything that he's doing. Yeah. What he's inspiring. It's not about Luca. It's not about him. You know, I made the cult, the, the cult joke. Right. Right. But he'd probably be the worst cult leader because he doesn't seem to be an egotistical person that makes it all about himself. He's actually trying to inspire the people that he is um, trying to inspire. And that's that's something that's subtly not egotistical. It's actually more about like sort of like the 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 fertileness of the soil and being part of the um you know you know trying to be part of the soil not being being the plant right you know what i mean yeah so man that is it's 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 so all right now i'm gonna go even further away to come back yeah i it took me it took me years to realize what you just described when it came to uh recording vocals mm. because I would have this thing in my head about, all right, well, this has to be perfect. And, mm -hmm. and I don't want them, you know, like at this point, it was like right as like auto tuning is coming into play. So it was always like this option that the engineer was hinting at. It's like, oh, well, that's cool. Don't worry if it's not perfect. And so I would spend so much time trying to make sure that I nailed every note right. that I would sometimes lose um, the personality of of the thing that i was trying to do like the, whether the emotion the personality the even the idea of playing a role or a character when you're singing which is kind of odd to think of but it's not most mm -hmm. of the musicians that you really love or that we both really love yeah. they went through phases they had they had mystique they had a thing about them which wasn't what you would get if you just had a conversation with them right. it would come through in what they created right and i think the idea of making those choices that ties it to you know performance to acting and all of that but then if you think of that in terms of how you interact with students how you interact with other teachers you're making those choices and you're playing this role where you're empowering them mm -hmm. yeah and once you realize that then it's like yeah you are having this hillary swank moment where it's like it's not about um i was having this conversation with someone the other day that a lot, a lot of times teachers, and I've been guilty of this as, as well, are waiting to have that aha moment in class yeah, where exactly. kids are like, oh, I get it now. Right. And 
and you're waiting to have that moment because that you feel that's the thing that you're getting high off of. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that makes you like, yeah, I'm really great because they did yeah. that. They had this moment. And in, in actuality, that aha moment, it rarely happens in front of you. Right. And so, so it's not really about you. Yeah, you're, exactly. like, <laughs> you're putting yeah. together all these things yeah. and you're hoping that they pull the thread at a right. certain point. And then they're just like, oh yeah, oh, wait a minute. This mm-hmm. is what this is. And this can happen when they're, you know, 16 or 14, or it can happen when they're 40. Yep. And if you think of, if you think of uh, the process in those terms, it's a lot easier to just sort of like, um, if you're playing chess or something, man, I'm just mixing my analogies, but you're just setting up all these things on the board yeah. for, for the person that you're working with. And then they're going to pull it together at a certain point and they'll be like, man, this is amazing. Or why didn't I see that? Yeah. And that is the power of it. And yeah. I think there, there's a lot of that with, um, there's a lot of that that sort of came up in the conversation with Luca, the mm-hmm. idea of how do you how do you set that table and 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 setting that table is being aware of everything around education and the way that your sense of you were saying about being aware of the camera and looking to the camera and that is the audience. If you're mm-hmm. aware of all these things around education, you're factoring it in, which ties right. into that whole ikigai thing. Right. Like how are you? How are you planting the seeds uh, for people to feel fulfilled, to play a role in society, like to create meaning within their lives, but Mm -hmm. also tying it to their passion and helping them to discover all that. Right. And also the, you mentioned empowerment. Um, I think that's also the thing, like empowering them to know that they have control over the meaning Mm -hmm. and they're the ones that should go out and find it. And the whole way he reframed um, you know, how I've always thought of education and the, that, that Ikigai thing was really, um, you know, sort of mind expanding because, you know, setting the framework in that way um, really then makes it a, an all-inclusive thing. You're yeah. right. You're taking in the diversity of the person that you are working with. You are giving them a whole world that they can look at, not just one little tunnel like, okay, you should be a coder because that's what they need right now. No. Right figure out what it is that you want to do, figure out and, and, and make the mistakes trip and fall on your face. There's a whole system. This Ikigai thing makes me think like it's a, it's a network. It's a, it's a, it's a thing that if we all sort of followed, we'd all have a natural sort of place that all of us would make those mistakes and we could just sort of bounce back because we have this whole system of Mm. understanding that like the mistakes is what teaches you how to do the thing (laughs) do you know what i mean yeah we're 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 so success oriented in our in our country especially in our society it's like if we don't get it immediately we don't want to do it anymore right but ikigai is more like no it's the journey dude it's the journey to get there you don't get to be hillary swank without like making mistakes and figuring out who you are, you know, or whoever it is. So, um, right. Yeah. That was, or having those scenes where you're trying to avoid the camera and then you go back and you watch it and you're like, I missed that moment. Yeah. 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 You know, and there's, there's something about that binary aspect of, uh, of schooling that you mentioned. If you fail, you're bad. Like the connotation of failure. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I've, I wouldn't even call it failing, but I've seen you specifically in different things, in different roles that you're trying to play or characters that you're trying to embody where you swing and you're not missing, but you're narrowing down what it is 
that's special or that you were trying to capture about that person but mm -hmm. you have to you it's not like and this i've only seen this like you know with you doing this like with one or two characters but it's not like like cool i've read the script and now i'm gonna be that person i figured it out i've right, gotten right. the a right it's like right. It, I, I see it's like you're it's like you're almost like carving or something you know you're woodshedding yeah. to get to this point where you're like oh okay oh no all right this is what it is and this is the choice that i have to make and if i make this other choice which is a little more subtle it's cool but then you don't get as much and it right. doesn't feed the story like you're right. saying right yeah so i was man <laughs> I, I awesome. listen. I listen when you talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> me too. Me too. Me too. You know, but that's, I mean, but that's it. I mean, we do it in music and it's, and it's crazy if you think about doing it with people's development mm -hmm. and how we empower them to be the best versions. Like I was literally having this conversation with my son the other day, like he did something wrong and I'm like, right. look, tomorrow's a brand new day. Tomorrow's another chance for you to be the best version of you. Right. And people who do that, I, I don't even do it every day anymore, but people who are doing that every day, especially now during a pandemic. Yeah. It's, uh, they're, I mean, you've said it all the time as far as like teacher compensation, but that is, that is, that is the work right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's, uh, it's insane that uh, we're, we're arguing over the pennies we, we teach, we pay teachers. And it's like every single person on this planet has benefited from a teacher. Yeah. Like, the, the, are you speaking English or whatever language you're speaking? Somebody taught you that, right? Right. Are you driving like, a car? Book, <laughs> driving a car, right. Right? right? You know, that high finance job that you've got, that you've, you know, you, you're this big venture cap guy now. Somebody taught you that, right? So right. I, don't, I don't understand why you're trying to build the very people who taught you how to do things. It's, it's a, it's a, it doesn't make any sense. And again, going back to your man, Luca, um, I think he ties it together in a really sort of unimpeachable way, right? Mm. There's no other way to look at this. It's like, it doesn't make sense the way we have been approaching this. Maybe industrial era, you know, the, you know in the late 1800s, we could have still had the, the right system to make this work for everybody, but we just weren't involved enough. But now we got no excuse, man. Yeah. We have no excuse for people to be poor or people to have no sort of access to knowledge and learning and food, all, all of that stuff. Oh, then the last thing I'll say is I love how he, um, I, he sort of, um, tied it to like farming and sustainable farming yes it's all the same thing like involving ourselves like thinking of ourselves as, as an ecosystem rather at then as like a sort of top down we are the shepherds and this is the flock it's more like no we're part of we're we're, we're part of the entire ecosystem and we need to figure out like every other plant has how to sort of um, thrive in the environment that we live in. And that means that we have to think of ourselves as part of the environment, not mm. above the environment or not even anything special beyond the environment. We are the environment. We are a part of nature. So, yeah. I think that's a great note to end on, especially the concept of self-care. Yeah. A lot of us are struggling to do that right now because yeah. we feel like we need to be doing everything we used to be doing or we yeah. need to be doing more and we're not realizing how just traumatic this stuff like literally it's i the other day i started to walk into a store without wearing a mask and i was like what am i doing yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and then i felt guilty and i felt horrible and three months ago six months ago who even knows how long this has been going on we're, we're coming up on a year it's not something you would think about 
Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, these are, these are crazy times and that's why, you know, I know I say it all the time, but I appreciate this time with you. This is part of my self-care and part of my, and part of my learning. Um, and I mean, I guess to the greater audience, because it's not just you and I talking, thank God, not that that would be horrible, but people actually listen. Um, we, we hope that you guys get some of that from this as well. Yeah, man. Cool. So uh, with that being said, who are you? I'm Otto and who are you? I'm Kwaku and this is Radio Zamunda. The dope shit. See, I got you on that one. <laughs> nice. No, no, no. I'm, 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 you know, pipping to your Jordan, man. <laughs> okay, we got to use the next next time. So John Starks, uh, Ewing or something. I don't know. We're New Yorkers, oh, man. Yeah, we can't, sorry. you know, we yeah. can't, we can't, we can't <laughs> sorry, be rooting, rooting for the Bulls gotta, like that. Got to go with the great ones, bro. Sorry. You know, <sighs> all right. Where's, where's Starks' title? I don't know. <laughs> wow! Wow! This guy's been doing too much uh, Chicago MD over here because he yeah, forgot. Sorry. He forgot. He forgot who his team yeah. is. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, all right, man. Uh, until next time. Yes, sir. Peace. Right. Peace. Whatever happens, whatever happens. Oh.